You've got a passion for the outdoors, a desire to feel the warm sun on your face, the sound of your fly line whipping through the air, the pop of the water as the fish inhales the fly you just found in the floorboard of your truck. You need to feel the cool waters on your feet, the crisp north breeze of a November morning, the sound of a turkey gobble, the December rut, the chills of an elk bugle in September. It's the longing passion to chase your obsession. This is what we share. This is what we preach. Welcome to Honey Hole Hangout. <laughs> I well, was doing it on the table. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Honey Hole Hangout, everybody. We got a great show for y'all today. Uh, Gabe. Yes, sir. Sitting to my right. Would you like to introduce our guest today because you are friends? I'm un- it's my understanding that y'all are friends. We're friends. We're yeah, friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I am. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like I was like one of the first customers at Mr. Juicy. We have Chef <laughs> Andrew Weissman hey, here with Hey, thank you. Us. And even if you weren't our first guest, we tell you that you, you were. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. To I was going to say, you <laughs> told wait, me I was. Wait, <laughs> is his dollar on the wall? Yeah. It is. Yeah. Oh. Exactly. I signed it and everything. Hey, when you're married, yeah. it's the small wins, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, d- d- you know, d- don't overlook the fact there's probably a hundred other dollar bills on the wall, but he said I was the first one. <laughs> so, yeah, there we go. Did you guys know each other before Mr. Juicy Burger? No, so like my office was down the street. And then um, I remember stopping by because uh, there's a little liquor store right around the corner. So that was my Wednesday. I'd go say hi and, and then and then stop it and grab a burger. And um, it was like right on the cusp of everything blowing up. So like it's not like it wasn't dead. It's just, you know, I'd usually go in like at 11, 15, 11, 30, take an early lunch and uh, roll in, sit, you know, enjoy the quietness of work and, and stuff. And and then, you know, you'd come out and we, yeah. we was, you know, we would just, you know, shoot shoot the shit and talk about stuff, talk about hunting, talk about, you know, fishing and stuff like that. And and it was cool just seeing, like, that initial, like, slow kind of, man, 10 people, 20 people, to the point where, like, you're going at lunch and there's people coming out the door. Right. And you're like, oh, like, it, is it, you know, do I have the time right now <laughs> at my lunch to wait here knowing yeah. where I'm going to be at? Um, but, no, it was, just, it was just cool seeing that. And then now you got the – you know, you, you had that location, you opened the second location, uh, and now it's, that's you just moved over there. Yeah, because of the drive-through. Yeah. I wanted to add one thing to what you just said. Um, you were always so generous. You'd always come in with the best. You'd always share amazing rice and <laughs> bourbons. <laughs> And we always thought that was really cool. I and did and provide some samples. So yes. you come yes. in this poor little sample. Well, no, you, you know, like bring a cool little bottle with the yeah, with yeah. The no, he's, he's giving us a cool label. Yeah, toe tag. So you know, yeah, all the pertinent information of yeah. like you know what the proof was, what year it yeah. was, you know, to uh, to to share that love and to help get some yeah. bottles out of the house. That's so, awesome. Yeah. yeah, and on top of that, one other thing I wanted to add to that story as a footnote is, uh, as much as we love you in in Mr. Juicy, and we do. You were like the, you're like the norm of the liquor store. Like everyone knows your name. We <laughs> walk in there, and <laughs> he's bringing those guys gift certificates. And they, yes. So now we know how Gabe yeah. has all of his pull at the liquor store. Right, right, right. because well, I'm a nice he walks, person. He walks in. Uh, can too. we show you to the back room, Gabe? <laughs> you you open the beads to the back, and here's Gabe's shelf. He gets to pick from. Yeah. No least, comment. Something <laughs> yeah, on the no floor. comment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no comment. But yeah, I mean, it's like like I've told you guys before. And you know, if you're looking for something, it, these are people to you know talk with them. Um, 
you know, get get to know them, get to meet them, and and they're you know, it's amazing some of the extra stuff they have, and they're willing to help you find something, or you know, um, and go from there. But no, it's just to see to see that you know where it was to where it is now is so cool. And um, how long ago was that? <sighs> three three years ago. Yeah, a little three over years. three years and some change. Yeah, yeah, three years and some change. Back when you were coming in at Orvis on your lunch breaks too. Exactly, I yeah. see all of y'all. You never yeah. took me to the back though. Whatever. <laughs> you never saw me doing a different lunch break. things. <laughs> things happen in the back of at the Orvis <laughs> store that you don't want to know. And now I'm working there, so <laughs> no comment. I got you a job. <laughs> you got me a job. <laughs> I'm not gonna say how after I got you got it. fired from your last one. <laughs> I didn't get fired. <laughs> <laughs> I was kindly asked to show up on time. I said, "I'm good, thanks." <laughs> <laughs> Which is so weird now working there. You know, Sunday like rolled in. And it's just like, man, I wish I could tell someone where the bathroom was. No one's coming in. It's going to be all the dumb questions and stuff. You know, but ah, so be it. Uh, what are we drinking? Oh, okay. Before we at talk about what we're drinking, what did we drink before yes. we started recording? Ooh, yeah. We had some uh, wonderful mezcal uh, in Nejo, mezcal, and it's aged in American and French barrels. So it has a really, really deep smoky, you know, all the traditional characteristics, but it goes beyond that. I mean, it's like a long finish. We had it with uh, the traditional salt, the worm salt. Yep. Oranges. And it was smoked worm salt, right? It was smoked worm salt. So they take those agave worms, smoke them, crush them up with chilies and um, salt, and that they mix that. And we drink them out of the uh, traditional cup, the hakaras, the little gourd cups. Yeah, we got a little video, so we'll make sure to post it so you guys can see it. Because it was a cool experience. It was. It was just one of the coolest drinks we probably had on the podcast. Oh, for oh, sure. Right on. Yeah. I don't know. Sorry, I don't know. Dave. It's up there. It's up there. <laughs> I said with our with our bush and with our bush and Mountain Dew. Dew. I don't oh, know. Man. Bush Light Mountain Dew. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was, man. No, it was very good. You Surprisingly think, good. You, yeah. yeah, you it's, think uh, that's that's the gut check, and then you try it, and you're like, not bad. Yeah. Yeah, it makes everything better. But this was neat. I mean, just the story. You know, the setup, the whole night. And you got all in Mexico, right? It's all from Mexico. Except the oranges, I'm sure, H-E-B. Well, actually, those probably came (laughs) from Mexico. (laughs) Oh, did they? (laughs) (laughs) Via a different route. Yeah. Yeah. Um, No, so it's a fun way to drink mezcal the traditional way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It was oh, very good because you, you get that smokiness in the scalp, but then you can you get that, that aftertaste with you know the orange, um, you know that bite of orange, even with a little bit of that salt, um, just all together. It's it was delicious. It was fantastic. You so know, I um, I went, I I kind of made the leap from it's not a big leap, but from drinking sipping tequilas in Mexico with the banda. You know the you have the lime juice. You've got the um, uh, yeah, yeah. Now I'm going to forget the name, but the uh, there's a tomato based. It's not actually tomato based. Mm-hmm. Um, and you sip that with the tequila. Yeah. And man, it's so wonderful. Like with a meal and a cold beer, um, steak dinner. Kind of like a like a conventionalada, like kind of like broken down. It's broken down, yeah. Okay. And they call it banda because it's the it's the flag. Okay. The oh, the okay. Right yeah. Now, right? Okay. So next week when you come over, you're going to be bringing that. Is that what I'm <laughs> most out of here? Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but you always feel like, you know, you drink what's available in a place. It's not that Mexico has everything, of course, but that is of that terroir, of, the, uh, of that land. Mm-hmm. So I always feel like I'm in Mexico when I'm drinking tequila or mezcal. Yeah. You see all the locals doing it too, even the women. Mm-hmm. You know, here – 
um, not painting, I don't want to paint with a broad brush, but mainly when you go out, you see somebody drinking a tequila and a beer, it's usually a guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There um, is a, there's a stereotype with that. Yeah. yeah. Not down there. You see. Um, and that's you, hardly ever, though. I feel like I've, uh, all the places have gone, even, you know, even nicer restaurants. It isn't really, always a margarita or, right. you know. Or, Paloma. Um, yeah, or a Paloma. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's never, it's never straight. Um, yeah. Man, I don't know. You know what's funny? What's really coming to vogue, I'm sure you guys know this, but uh, we used to quail hunt out in West Texas. And afterwards, we would go to the Gage Hotel, and we'd get uh, ranch waters. Ranch water back then, no one here knew what, well, I don't know. I don't want to say that no one knew. if People knew what they were. But now you go, and everyone's ordering ranch water. Yep. And like the traditional, you mean like tequila, sparkling water, or topo and lime, yeah. Yeah. Now you can't get topo anywhere. It's like yeah. limited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. When I really like, uh, I have a bottle of mezcal in my cabinet, oh. and my favorite thing is to do uh, ranch water out of mezcal because you get nice. that like smokier yes. flavor, but then doing topo chico and lime, it's very it's nice. good. Ooh, yeah. Especially with our climate. Yeah. Summer. Yeah. I mean, what better can you drink? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's very refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. You're making me sad about, you know, when, when we had the uh, snow apocalypse here. Uh, a year and a half ago, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we lost the the grapefruit tree in the ah, back, man, oh, yeah, and good. and yeah. I mean, I brought y'all grapefruits, yeah. And it just trying to pass all of those out, and we'd squeeze that and do kind of the same thing. It was amazing, but yeah, I could see how summertime that's perfect. But I don't remember. I don't know. I guess maybe never paid attention to seeing a ranch water prior to now. Everything it's it's all canned. Uh, you know, I. And I'm sure they exist, but I cannot find a good mixed drink in a can. These that we have are pretty good. Uh, yeah, they're always, okay. But they're actually, it's not like uh, malt liquor. It's actually vodka mixed with the okay. stuff. So that's why. Yeah, these the all hands. Yeah. All hands. All hands. This wow. is a cherry limeade. Okay. Yeah. But I they would have say a, they're the best ones. They have a raspberry lemonade. Yeah, they've got a couple. They have four flavors. Yeah. Uh, those are good. I feel like Lone River is also good. Yeah, um, the rest of them I can't stand, but Lone River and All Hands, I feel like are two I was good ones. from 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 that uh, liquor store. I was able to get my hands on a uh, a, a high noon pineapple flavor wow. that is actually really really good, but uh, she can't get them in. So uh, it <laughs> a lot like, of good that does. Is good yeah, right, time. exactly. <laughs> it, I don't know if there were samples from from the uh, from the rep or what, but man, that one was really really good. So hopefully, hopefully, I was holding out hope when Topo came out with their kind of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are they good? No, yeah. no, yeah. yeah, they're not. I I didn't like them. Yeah, they're not really. Mm-mm. Gabe, what are we drinking right now? All right, guys. So outside of our, now we're talking. We were talking about our summer mixing. Now mixing's over. We are diving in, and um, I know Andrew here, Chef, is a one of your first. If I remember correctly, one of the first ones you had was a E. H. Taylor straight rye. Good is that, memory. Yeah, is that correct? Yeah. Yes. And and so he's a rye guy, and we've had conversations before in the past about do we like rye? Is it is it like you know really smoky scotches where man they're overpowering? And so I knew it was coming in. I've been saving this one. This one is the Michter's single barrel ten year old straight wa- straight rye, twenty twenty one vintage. Uh, offering it is delicious is good and hard uh, to find is my understanding uh, yeah uh, retails about 145 bucks uh, mom and pops could go as much as 260 right now wow uh, i think the bourbon book right now has it about 275 almost three depending on the year um and but uh 
when it comes to rise, if I was going to pick one, I, I would be happy drinking this one. It's a damn good one. Yeah, because yeah. it's it's. I was going to say this is the anything. first time I've had a rye, and like I would buy that bottle. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. If it was, because a lot of times rye, I'm like, uh, it's dry. Yeah, it's I've never had a rye that I've been like, oh wow, like I would drink that over and over again. Yeah. Until this one. Yeah. There's a little bit of the, it's not a heavy spiced. Um, and I and we we were talking about before um, before the podcast, you know, is it are our taste buds off because we had the mezcal before this? I, I don't know, you know, and and I don't times, think so. Yeah, the times I've had it, it's just it's it's a it's a nice jump into rise if you were going to do that because a lot of them are really just just not harsh but like really licorice really rye bread, and some people love that. I, I I'm not, and this is where I can kind of draw the line. Well, on. and also like. Rye simply aren't as sweet as this one as well. I feel like this is like, I feel, yeah. I feel like it's one of the sweeter ryes I've had. And obviously, I like bourbons more than rye. Yeah. I like that sweetness in it, you know. And it and for a ten year, yeah. and for a ten year, and that is the other thing too. Is, is some of these as the older they get, they get a little bit more punchy. Um, this one's great. So uh, yeah, Michter's single barrel ten year old uh, straight rye. I think I picked this one up uh, from Total Wine. They had it um, on the shelf. They did, but it was like a Saturday morning. Oh, like early right after they on, yeah, yeah, right, like at ten o'clock, and you knew it was something was dropping because when I did go that morning, there was like fifteen people in line, and it was hilarious because we all went in. About half of that line went for their daily drinker, and the other half were looking for something because someone said something was dropping, um, but. It, it's funny. It's like it's like Black Friday. You know, people are like, "Where's that? Where's that tickle me Elmo?" Yeah. You know, where is it? Like <laughs> moving a little, right? With a little pep in their So step. they're looking at the, and, and it's crazy how your eyes will start to, you know, you, and you, nobody's looking for rye. Are they looking the, for bourbons? No. Well, they they figured they someone knew this was coming because obviously everyone went, but you get to a point where you can like quick look at at the shelf, and just by like bottle type, I mean. What other? There's not any other bourbons, yeah, right? Or rye that look like that. So there is a ten year old bourbon, uh, and then there's the ten year old rye, and the bourbon's fantastic. It's really sweet maple syrup, um, and and then you know to have those two together, they're completely different. Um, What's the price point on the bourbon? Just they're both curiosity. around. They're both around like one forty, one fifty. They're both around the same price. Um, I it, think yeah. bourbon is a is a gateway to rye. It could be because like yeah. I. <coughs> I feel like every time I have a rye, I'm enjoying it more mm-hmm. as I drink more and more bourbon. And like I said, I I love bourbon. I've had it for a while, you know. But um, I am coming to like more rye mm-hmm. as like you try different bourbons, you realize like, oh, they don't all have to be super sweet. So you think rye is the classier drink? I don't know if it's classier. I just think it it's more elegant and has more new. It's more nuanced. Okay. Um, and I I do think that. The thing about bourbons is they do have they appeal to a sweeter palate, um, and so this being more austere, I think that it requires a little bit more. I took to it right away. Um, I've never been a huge I man. I'll drink a bourbon. I, I have no issue with it, and I can really appreciate the beauty of them. But for whatever reason, I just think that that a rye is a level up. Are you a Scotch drinker? Um, on occasion, yeah, yeah. But Scotch, this is my go-to. That rise is your go-to. My go-to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see. I mean, I could see that because I mean, like, I haven't really had a bourbon I don't like. You know, even the cheaper bourbons, like they all hit 
mm-hmm. roughly the same notes, whether they're more diluted or you get a little bit more of the burn. Um, but like you can have a bad rye. For sure. I feel like yeah. you have a yeah. lot of yeah. bad yeah. rye. Yeah, yeah. it, it, it takes more skill to make a decent rye. But I think there's some other rye out there that are, you know, lower dollar ones. Rittenhouse is one. Yeah. Where it, oh, by itself, it's 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 rough. But in a mixed drink, holy oh, hell. Yeah, with an old-fashioned? Or, yeah. It, uh, or, or Manhattan, I guess. Or, or even like a whiskey sour or anything. There's something really? about that funkiness that just really makes it cool to to mix with. Um but, yeah, I mean, this one would be the sipper. Regardless, walked in there, looked at the shelf, nothing was there. Kind of walked, just happened to walk around the corner, and the um, the cart that the guys brought out from the back had all the boxes. Uh-huh. And there was this box of four of them in it. So, yeah, the, the worker was like, yeah, go ahead. So I was like, okay, I got <laughs> first one. Thanks, guys. Walked around the corner. They're all looking for stuff. Not knowing You're what hiding they, it under yeah, your arm. Not knowing did what you, we were looking for. Did you kind of hide it underneath? Yeah. As soon as I saw the box, I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay, so then that's what dropped. And um, But, yeah, that happens sometimes, too. You go in the morning, and, and there's a line of people, and you're like, okay, something's happening. But, like, a lot of times people don't know what they're looking for. They just know hey, that look, something is people coming. People like lines. You can put, we can put oh, a line outside yes, right now, yeah. and they're going to go stand in it, <laughs> right? True. So that, that happens as well. But some of this stuff, nowadays, I, I don't think it's it's – I think now with like total wine, you have to spend a certain dollar amount, much like specs. But where specs will call you, total wine will put you in a lotto for stuff. So it's looking like four times a year, everyone's getting emails to say either you got something or you didn't get something, but you had to spend a certain dollar amount. And the 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 difference with total wine as well, where specs is a is a flat dollar amount to get points. Uh, total wine, if you wanted to get in the running for something, hopefully, you could literally go when they have their 10x points for buying food and just buy $200 worth of, uh, I don't know, cheese puffs, and that'll hit you. That'll <laughs> hit your total point because yeah. you'll get ten, 10 times the points per dollar amount. Yeah, so you'll to, hit that two grand that you need to. <laughs> yeah, so I'm waiting for Krista to have her first, uh, you know, uh, school end of year or end of uh, semester. Yeah, end of semester party. So I'm like, okay. I'm getting you guys cheese balls, and I'm gonna get those ten extra, you know, cheese balls and Twinkies. Spend two hundred points, and now you're in. Now you're in at least that rotation. Maybe you get something, maybe you don't. But the points are only good from uh, from calendar year. So December after December thirty first, then you start from. Yeah, they don't roll over at all. Specs rolls over. Okay, uh, and you can have all those points. Um, And then with specs, you have a home uh, store. So whatever store you you pay at um if they get something big in then they'll go off the list of Wait. your points okay specs you have a home store mm-hmm. so the fact that i'm going to two stores consistently it is, will ju- is ruining that's not me. good it's ruined you well you'll get your points okay but, but if it's like i don't have two accounts you don't have two accounts but your your store your home store will jump to be the last one. I so, like, if it, like we were up there in Bernie, right? And I, if I went to that Bernie store, which I have done before, and bought bought something, uh, then I need to make sure, like, later in the week, I just need to buy a water or a Coke over here. At this, oh. that's a lot of work, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Cheese puffs, buying yeah. water, right. at yeah. stores. Yeah. No, right. if, if this but guy's <laughs> already doing it and he's bringing it to the podcast, and I'm just gonna yeah, tap you're out. good. <laughs> hey, I'm already in it. That's the problem. Like, I'm you're already, already, I'm already, already there. We need to deep. We just yeah. need to give you money every time we want something. That way, you get yeah. the points. We yeah. get more, better, more. Oh, yeah, that's Pretty a good much. idea. Yeah. But what about what about 
your buddies over at WB Liquors. Oh no, I love them to death, and I and and every time I'm up there, because that's usually my Saturday, or at least like twice to three times a month, or even like when you see me when you see me at Mr. Juicy, You've I'm over going the- over there. <laughs> like I I live at SeaWorld, so like I, that's a drive for me. We're yeah. putting in You're that, not just going that down turn. just to go. Down. So so Saturdays uh, typically like two two to three times a month. Saturdays, wife's like fine, go have fun. Uh, I'll get up early. I'll either stop at Tommy's for a taco or, nice. or, or yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, and, um, or stop by and give me a hard time when you guys haven't even opened yet and yeah. saying what's up. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, go over there to WB, say hi, um, you know, stop at, at Total Wine on the way out. Um, Specs isn't as much because I know I'm going to get a call or something, or I'm here on Tuesday, so I stop by them anyway. Yeah, yeah. And you know, right now we're in the we're in the cusp of a bourbon season, so like this is where all the fun stuff starts really getting dropped um, into next month. Actually, next month into January, that stretch is when you see the birthday bourbons, you see the winter night stram, you see. Um, I got a I've got a bottle yeah. of winter night stram. Oh, it's delicious. Um, you know, your BTAC, so your Buffalo Trace Antique Collections, that's when your Pappies drop. Pappies, but Pappies is December, right? Um, yeah. I, or might they, be, they just have like a section of time. Like any time I think it's earlier, but the distribution isn't doesn't hit until this oh, late. Okay. Gotcha. Is Pappies going to be poured out again this year? I don't know, it's still Wait, in, my, it's still in my, my gun safe. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing with it. <laughs> so nice. It looks so pretty. No, I mean, last year, didn't they have to scrap the year? Oh, no. That was the buff on the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection. It was the George T. Stag. The George T. Stag. The George yeah, T. Stag. Scrap was it. It all. Yeah. yeah the it, whole year got scrapped. It just didn't turn out. And they, really? Which is weird. Like, it makes me wonder if it didn't make it into, like, I don't know, something else. It, I, I doubt they threw it away. I couldn't I can't imagine it being that bad. Like you think like maybe somebody came in and bought every barrel of no, it? No, I think they mixed it with something else. Yeah, it probably was utilized as a blend. Yeah, um, as a blend with something. Yeah, yeah. Either yeah. yeah. They just didn't toss it. They no, just, I, I Well that's I what they do imagine. in the wine world. Yeah. If it, they have a bad batch, they just kinda yeah. mix it with some other stuff. And yeah. 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 I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. It, so it was it was that. But yeah, that's usually like the, the rotation I'll stop by, go to Gucci B, go to Central Market. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you know grab some stuff and then you know make my my way back home. That's usually by eleven o'clock. I mean if you if you did want to go and try to find something cool, um, you know by eleven if it was out. By eleven, yeah, an hour. <laughs> and they open at ten. Yeah. <laughs> well, because uh, so like this one, so like Michter single barrel, uh, the ten year. They have a regular one. Their their Michter's American is fantastic, and I think that was one of the early ones they gave you guys. That one's good. You can find it. It's only like forty bucks. Um, but these, I want to say, there's only three in a case. Where most bottles there's six. Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't I don't feel like a lot of times people don't understand that. Like a case is six. Do they set a limit? Can you go in there and say, hey, let me have a case of three? No one. One. It's because of how popular bourbons have become, it's limit one across the board. Yeah, it's with all that, you know, you look at all these rise in bourbon. I mean, it's nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nuts. I'm on this hunting trip uh, last week with a guy. He does not drink, um, but he does. he's a super generous guy, and he's always giving stuff to people, whether it's, you know, just verbal tips on he's a real outdoorsman. But if you need something, he's there, Johnny on the spot. He doesn't drink, and we're we're out there, and um, I was cooking for the guys, and he said, "Man, I got a I got a bottle of this stuff called Blanton's. <laughs> um, I want to give it to you. Do you know what it is?" And I'm like, uh, <laughs> "Yeah." 
So now I'm waiting for that to drop on my front porch. I got I may have to remind him because he told me about four days ago and I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. So I'm getting nervous that maybe he forgot. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's one of those ones you would you yeah. ask for. Follow yeah. up. Yeah, it's a, I got to follow yeah. up. Yeah. One. Just making sure it didn't but, just but like no. end up on my porch and went missing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, it, we're, we're at that point where it's just like, yeah, everything's limit one. You know, maybe you could go to a mom and pop and they're, they've got, you know, they're selling it. Well, the Japanese full. whiskey's been gone. Yeah. Like, I don't know when we'll start seeing that on shelves again. But uh, why that's gone. Specs here. Supply. Yeah. Just well, actually getting it here. That, and it's y- kind of been priced as well. Well, oh, not only it? that, but, you know, people went nuts over Japanese. There was like mm. this huge, you remember that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, two years ago? Yeah. And they just could not keep pace yeah. with the yeah. demand. And China buys a lot of God. it to begin with. Oh, do they? Yeah. It's um, exceptional. I mean, even the lower end stuff. We've had a bottle. We've had a couple bottles. We here. did. We've, we've had Hibiki. Bottle, bottle. Yeah, we've yeah. done Hibiki. We've I done. Hibiki, yeah. We've done the Hakushu and the Yamazaki twelves. Okay. Um, I brought a All cheaper good. bottle in. Yeah. I don't know what it was. I think um, it's in there. I'm like the pretty Suntory sh- or whatever. It's, is it the Suntory? Yeah, Suntory line uh, mm-hmm. that that has it. Uh, at one point, the and I, I'm surprised they discontinued it, but the Hibiki seventeen, oh, the seventeen age statement was one of the like rated best whiskeys in the world. Really? And forget it. You and and it. it got to the point where they couldn't they couldn't make enough to put in for the 17 and then the, uh, to keep just the regular Hibiki up. So now you have a, originally the Hibiki was like a 7 year age statement and now they're all no age statements. So they're at least 3 something like that. Yeah, they're at least right. 3 but it's not it's on and it's blended. Right. So even more so it's not even more. Yeah. You know, wow. I have that Midnight Summer Dram. Also, that stuff is fantastic. Yeah, Gabe gave us a bottle of that early on in our podcast. Yes, early on. Yeah. Can you find that anymore? No. In fact, Landon was with me when we went in. <laughs> when we went in and we, we walked in and I was like, oh, yeah, I heard pick up my bottle. Because uh, I, I got called for it, yeah. you know, and you know, went to the back and came out with my bottle with my name on it. And yeah. Wow. I'm like, okay, cool, let's go. Uh, what what does that stuff go for now if you can find it? Uh probably two twenty five, two fifty, I think. Oh, it's it, it, but the actual bottle itself retails for like seventy nine. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. but that's the thing, like those are allocated bottles. So, you know, bigger stores are gonna have more of an allocation. Uh the mo- smaller mom and pops might only get one. That's it. Yeah. You know, so they can charge whatever they want. Right. You know, so they'll jack up the price to whatever, and and someone will buy it because somebody will buy somebody it. Somebody will yeah. come in and be like, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah, there's that. bottles that I I have dollar amounts for that I'm like, if I see it, I know I'm gonna get it because I know I like it. I know it'd be great as a gift to someone else to share it, um, and and I know like just trying to find one is just gonna be hellacious. Yeah, and and so we all have that, we all have that number. So you know, it's it's one of those. Yeah, I paid fifty dollars for a Jack Daniels. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, and that's what's, that's what's crazy about it. I mean, you know, there's some mom and pops. There's like uh, cheer liquor, cheer or cheer something or other. Um, you know, you go over there right now, and they have blends, but they have it for one twenty five. And what's re- blend retail? Fifty nine, maybe sixty nine at most. Right? Yeah. yeah, at most. Um, but again, if like everyone's talking about it. And, and, and we're talking about it on the podcast. Yeah, right. we're talking about. We're not the helping the problem. That's exactly. Right. It's like yeah. a run on toilet paper, man. Yeah, it's <laughs> like a run on yeah, toilet right. paper. Yeah. The more you talk about it, the more people get it. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. So you know, and and that blends is good. It's a cool bottle. It is. A cool it is bottle. a cool bottle. It's a cool bottle. But 
the gold and the straight from the barrel blends oh, are yeah. absolutely I've amazing. Really great. So is the uh, the sl- the store select the store picks? <laughs> Those are. Go ahead and tell <laughs> Chef here what happened when I left. Early y'all. on, Gabe uh, Gabe would just give us a bottle to try, and sometimes he would give explicit instructions on like, "Hey, drink a little bit. You know, that's my bottle. Don't drink it all." But then one time he dropped off a bottle that I feel like had already been opened. I feel like it was open. It was open because we had already drinking it on another podcast. Oh, so yeah. we opened it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we, we did, opened. And we followed the instructions on the first one. Yes. And he gave us a store pick, <laughs> Blanton's. Yeah. And we thought it had been opened. We did, or we thought Gabe had already had some of it. And it wasn't a big bottle, you know, right? Oh, no. no. So <laughs> the, the, the store pick Blanton's are usually 375. So. Yeah. And so we had a guest on. We were like, hey, we got this half-drunk bottle of Blanton's in here. Would you like some of it as well? And so we bust out the Blanton's. We're having a good old time. And uh, <laughs> I think we gave away the bottle, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. guys drank it all. I was yeah. like, we hey, I came, I came to pick up uh, the extra stuff. Oh yeah, like, what extra stuff? stuff. <laughs> we did. We drank it. We did. But yeah, it was my. F- oh, it was my very first. And I was not there. Lands. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> Landon yeah. always is there. Yeah, because yeah. I got accused no, over the weekend of <laughs> being part of that, and I I was part of the initial <laughs> no. drink, and the responsible one that put it away to save the rest for Gabe. So now I get to hold present. it over That's them fun. forever. Yeah. So and ever, now, and ever. well, before you joined us officially, you would you would make sure we always got the little tasters. The Which little is, tasters. Is, it kept us yeah. in check. I yeah. needed that. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. So, uh, man, we've been talking about booze for a while. Well, this is the food and drink episode. It is yeah. the food and so drink episode. I feel like that's yes. fine. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to talk to Andrew. We got some other stuff. We got some cool stories about Yeti coolers. We got to talk about the real recovery treat. Gabe. Almost caught a state record fish, and then we're going to talk to Andrew. You might about have. It's possible. <laughs> Honestly, had you officially measured it, you might have had a state yes. record. Yes. So, so then we're going to talk to Andrew about hunting, Mr. Juicy Burger, all kinds of other fun stuff. But first, a yeah. note from our sponsor. From the vice to the boat to the bank to those moments you connect to a fish, Loon Outdoors is with you every step of the way with tools designed at the bench and on the water to help make your best day on the water better. So, Gabe. Man, I'm sorry. That's so awesome. I know. I can't, yeah, I can't can't get over that. I know the Loons are Loons a sponsor. Yeah, Yeah. it is. Was was Honey Hole sad when um, you guys were told that uh, Loon was coming in? You know, they took it easily. (laughs) 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 Yeah. (laughs) We're happy that they (laughs) filled that (laughs) spot. (laughs) Uh, Gabe, what's your favorite loon item for tying? So uh, this weekend for the Real Recovery Retreat, I tied up those uh, Panther Creek uh, hoppers. Yeah. Ooh, I know where this is going. Yeah, and so grab the – they could buy the eyes, and I I got those in, and I tried them, and I didn't really – now you're talking like the googly eyes. Well, no, they actually sell a hopper eyes. I think Flyman Flyman sells okay. a pack of of eyes uh, that are are already like you know pre made, just like you see with the 3D eyes. Yeah. You peel them off, you put them on, and it was a pain in the ass. I glued my fingers to that fly a couple yep. of times. You have to. Um, and you know, so my skin and DNA is is on some of those <laughs> flies I've ever donated. Um, and so I realized, you know what? I've that that loon because uh, I already had some of the the regular um, loon flow and thick, 
and they had the that black uh, colored. Now they have like 12 different, 14 different colors. And so I grabbed the black, um, and it worked fantastic on those eyes. Those eyes came out sexy. Uh, putting a little... So little it's a dye. UV clear. It's a UV cured, colored... colored. And you just, like, put the dots on, hit it with a light, and yep. then you have black eyes for your hopper. Yeah, so with the hopper eyes, they're not completely round. Um, they're they're kind of oval. Almond. So you put, yeah, you put a dot, and then you take your bobbin or your bobkin, and you kind of just kind of just scrape a little bit down and then hit it with the light. So you got more of that almond eye to it. And, man, they came out. They're a lot easier to work with, better sizing, better 3D, in my opinion, because it's a little thicker. It's not like the flow. Yeah. So you do have a little raised eye. I think they came out fantastic. Mm. And some of those ended up in the fishing boxes for yeah. recovery, huh? Yeah, I believe so. I tied a couple, passed them around. So, yeah. yeah. I, think you're good to I like it. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks, Loon. Uh, let's talk about the real recovery retreat because we recorded on Saturday. Yes. About the retreat and got a couple different guys on the podcast, kind of rotated it through. If you guys haven't listened to that, it's real good. It is. But we also had Sunday, the retreat. Yep. So how would you guys think overall, having been through the whole thing now? I mean, my participant caught the fish of the weekend, so I feel like that's that's always a good thing, you know. Did he? What What was that? The good bass, the good quad. Oh, the good. You think that or the cichlid is the fish of the weekend? Well, he caught a cichlid as well. But not the bigger cichlid. So? So he caught a cichlid. <laughs> yeah, so he, he, got, he, got, he got the slam. Yeah, he, he got slam. the slam. Yeah, the man. Nobody else yeah. on the weekend got yeah, the slam. Okay. You know, okay. he did not catch a catfish. But to be honest, yeah. I hate catching catfish. So I might actually consider it a win that I didn't have to deal with the catfish. Okay, <laughs> and you guys were also mic'd up for the Kins Five News crew. We were, yeah. So we were. That's I can't wait for that to come dude, out. Me too. Yeah. So <laughs> I still is, feel bad for you having to try to fish with a three thousand uh, dollar audio mic in, mic in my pocket, in your pocket in the uh, water. Yeah, and holding yeah. net. Yeah. GoPro that they that Ken uh, that the news station wanted me to use. Was it Gus? Know? Was his name Gus, the cameraman? Uh, no, I think it was. Um, I don't know. His last name was. was I know his last name. What's his last name? Alonzo. Alonzo, okay. Because it reminds me of, like, Polar Pete. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, like baseball player, okay. Pete Alonzo? Okay, all right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we get there? Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so, yes, we were mic'd up that first Saturday morning. So you're going to be on You're gonna be on TV. I'm going to be fancy. Are you ready for your 15 minutes of fame? No. <laughs> not at all. Because they, they got a whole lot of us not catching anything. <laughs> yeah. and then us no, but they got the moment. They did get the moment. Where the we, moment uh, of the retreat, not even catching that quad, was that everybody else had caught fish, multiple fish. Yes. But all of the other participants were rooting Will on in the final moments. Yeah, to, for me and my participant to catch, catch a fish. the fish. Because... We were the last team to catch a fish Saturday morning. Yes. Yeah. And um, and it's not that we weren't trying, but still, that that was a big handicap to have that equipment. Everything and, and you yeah. know. So, and Andrew, to, to kind of bring you up to speed, because I don't know if you know, so we all volunteer with Real Recovery. They take men with cancer on free fly fishing retreats where oh, they get man, to terrific, learn man. how to fly fish, and they get group counseling called Courageous Conversations. Yeah. Wow. And so uh, Zach— It's one-on-one partners with the with, the with participants. The so Zach was a partner with one participant. It was like his guide of fishing for the weekend. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It, honestly, it's, it's the greatest weekend. Yeah. We do it twice a year, and it's, it's pretty great. It sounds like it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and they got— the moment, yeah, like you said, where 
everyone was everyone had already caught a fish. Everyone was cheering and, and waiting and for us. And every time that indicator yeah. and, went down, we were all like, "Here, set, set, and, set. He, and he had like had some missed ones too, where he had <laughs> he eats and he like had, he didn't yeah. get the hookup. And everyone was like cheering, and then it's like a group defeat section like oh yeah yeah because yeah the indicator would move and he'd set and then just either he would go yeah, too fast and rip or, it out yeah. or he'd go real slow and it, by that time the fish had spit it and so finally they're like five minutes left until we got to go for lunch guys sorry oh, wow and he finally set it in that bar <laughs> indicator went down and stayed down and i was like all right <laughs> let's go let's go and man, netted the most. This like the netted. Yeah, you netted it. It. He was probably two and a half <laughs> to three inches long. I was not letting that fish get away. If I had to net it, if I had to swim in there and grab yeah. it with my bare hands, you would have thought that that. that you would have thought that that was like the a whale that he brought. That's in. amazing. It was yeah. still like the coolest. It's the biggest that I own too. <laughs> so it was just this tiny little panfish and a net the size of a basketball hoop. Yeah, just I've never seen any, like a whole group of people just so cheering. happy yeah. Yeah. for, oh, for as small well, of a fish. and then they. Got Will he? They got him right on camera afterwards yeah. for the news for the news crew and they interviewed did. him. I was really fortunate to have him as my my participant. He just he had a lot of wisdom and his outlook on life was infectious. And hearing the way he talked about that morning and how it could relate to his cancer experience was just I don't know. It was special. Wow, so, yeah, it was cool. Um, and then Will was on Saturday. Like we eat lunch, and it's like we. I kind of gave the other uh, the participants like some options. Like, okay, so you know this is y'all's retreat, so y'all can do what you want. But we have like four hours, so you can go fishing. But it's gonna be the hottest part of the day. We can tie flies, whatever. And uh, a lot Will, of the participants want to usually take a nap and then tie flies Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I feel like that's what they wanted. Yeah, it's usually how Saturday afternoon goes. Yeah. But Will was like. We're going fishing. Yeah. And like, so it was oh, just yeah. me and him, yeah. and Gabe, you, you tagged along. Yeah. And it was just us three out there fishing, and he was just, like, all about it. He was like, I'm here to fish, learn how to fly fish, and yeah. catch some fish. We had him on a spot where it was just, like, almost, like, every five or six casts or something. And it, we, it just, again, because he was new to the platform of, of fly fishing, getting him to have, like, you know, no slack on that line. I mean, we saw just all these fish. We hit it, and we we're like, "Oh, you yeah. know, set the hook!" Or, yeah. or, or he he would be talking with us about something, and then we would turn around and he'd, he'd go to like cast. And there's, <laughs> a, there's a fish like on the tail of it. Yeah, like ah, yeah. you know. Or you go be like, "Hey, okay, let me." Uh, this happened a couple times to both of us. You'd be like, "Okay, let me see your rod real quick. I'm, I got to change something out." And he'd hand it to you, and you'd grab it. And you'd be like. There's a you fish on it. <laughs> <laughs> and then try to like give it back to him, and then like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Was, oh, but yeah, it was uh, the water was fantastic. Water, I mean, the clarity of it was a little off the normal, but yeah. man, the, the flow, the flow was good. Their flows were well, better we than were. we thought. Yeah, yeah. better. Yeah, better. I wouldn't say for, good, but I would no. say flowing, which is it was not doing that. No, we had little pools earlier yeah. in the year in the summer. So most yeah. of those areas we couldn't really wade into normally. Right, um, and we were able to wade in these spots very easy. Yes, um, but still, I mean, there's there was fish there, and that's that's what that's what the concern was early on. But it it, it worked out. Did you guys ever see Zach one the uh-huh. other Zach <laughs> and Tony, his uh, participant, wading? Every time I saw them, they were at least nips deep. No, on you know. Sunday morning. Me and Mike, Mike wanted to take some pictures of them. We walked out to the low water crossing to look downstream. Zach's like chin <laughs> was touching the water, and Tony, you could see his head and his arm was up here casting. Yeah. I mean, he Zach was like holding his bag above his head, 
while Tony was casting. I kid you not. And he hadn't like, fly fish before. No, he hadn't no. fly fish. And uh, and Zach's chin was on the water. Yeah. It was hilarious. That Tony was, was running him yeah. all, all over, over the place. The place. Yeah. yeah. Zach earned his his money that weekend yeah. for sure. Because, yeah, I remember that first Saturday, the Saturday morning they were out there. I've never seen a guy hauling through, you know, dirty water in, like, you know, three feet, four feet deep water and casting and trying to hit everything. And yeah. Zach just, okay, let's go, and just falling behind with all, <laughs> like a pack mule, just like, okay, you know. Yeah. And several times, yeah, he's holding his pack in the air, and I think he dunked his keys, and that's yeah. what he yeah. said. Yeah, yeah. just uh, it was a good weekend. Sounds like a good weekend. It, it was. was. It was. Yeah. Good times. And then, uh, Zach, what would you think about the closing ceremonies? Uh, I think having only a handful of participants, everyone got really close really quickly. And um, for me, it was, you know, my probably my favorite retreat I've been on so far. Uh, and I think um, because of that, also, it hit pretty hard on Sunday. You know, everyone was pretty emotional and just, you know, it, it, you know, it was it was a good retreat. Yeah. I feel like all the participants realized how special it was and um, we're, for, we're glad to be there. And uh, I don't know. It was good. Everything I, was everything was on point. All the fishing buddies. Yeah. Game was on point. Yeah. I mean, I was. It just ran. Coordinator in training. This one. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was good. I I think really the the one thing that hit hard is is Brad's vest was there at this one. Yeah. Um. Who uh who I was his his buddy last uh last go and had an amazing weekend and he passed uh, about a month and a half mm-hmm. later. Um, you know, so that, it, that one hit hard, you know, but it was cool to see his vest there, you know, and, and being involved in, in stuff. So it was, like I said, overall it was cool. I do miss being with there. So it was cool hanging out with, with, uh, Zach and Will and, and, you know, trying to find spots for you guys, and yeah. like, you know, and, and, and seeing that. So it was, it was good, but, uh, you know, I think next you get to, Landon, you get to get back into the, to the rain. I got demoted. Yeah, so you get to <laughs> yell at me to get waters out. So yeah, you gonna be buddy next time? I'm gonna be a buddy next I time. Use. I think me and uh, Gabe are gonna do a rotation like Jeff and Steve do. Nice, that's a good so idea. Yeah. Jeff and Steve are the coordinators? alternate coordinators for the two retreats. They're both there, and once coordinator, one's kind of like co-coordinator, ass- assistant coordinator. Yeah. yeah, and so me and Gabe are gonna do the same thing. So Gabe will be the fishing buddy coordinator for one retreat, mm-hmm. and I'll be a buddy. And then we'll go back and forth, which will be good because being the coordinator is a lot. It's not a lot at the retreat. I feel like it's almost a little bit easier at the retreat than being yeah, leading up. Yeah. But you, leading done all the work up to, to, to the it. retreat, yeah. you got to get all the buddies. You got to get all the documentation that's yeah. needed and make yeah. sure everything is, and all of that organization on the front end is, you know, ready to go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you don't answer my calls on this next one, I will show up to y'all's house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting this stuff <laughs> done early. I just hope my students aren't as talented as they were. I will show this up at past your school. Year. That's a weird <laughs> dilemma to be in. I hope my students aren't talented. Talented, so I don't have to go to a robotics tournament. Like <laughs> yeah, I hope they put up a good fourth place. <laughs> yeah, you know, true words, man. <laughs> Best of the rest, man. So I got a new fly rod in. Yeah, tell us about that it. That Cabela's Prime rod came in the mail. I'll have to the show it piece? to you. The, the one, one piece. piece. Yeah, nice. One piece fiberglass four weight. Mm-hmm. It feels like a two weight. Nice. I'll show it to you. I'm, I'm pumped. I'll give some more updates as I fish it. And then uh, you fished with Grant yeah, on uh, uh, Friday morning. I took Friday off in hopes to go up 
early and fish kind of scout what we're going to be dealing with at Camp Capers. Um, but uh, I've been missing Grant to give him some flies that he'd asked me to, to tie for him. And uh, so I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm just going gonna, gonna to wake up early. I'll meet you, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll go fish. So he took me to a, a cool little secret spot. Um, we fished that first, and then we, we went and we drove to the um, Faust Street Bridge and fished that stretch. Uh, water was awesome, beautiful, super gin clear, lots of carp, lots of catfish. And um, one of the things that he wanted to try, which is that's the reason why we went over there, was he wanted to try the Euronymph rod because I talked to him about it. And, um, you know, got out there. I had a, I'm positive, I'm pretty sure it was a smaller carp, but I had a carp on um, that, that hook was just a little bit too small. Uh, and then within 10 minutes was fishing like right where the spillway was, was at and thought I got locked up on something. And in that split second of thinking you're stuck on something, that line moves and, landed it and it turned out to be a dinner plate of a Rio Grande cichlid biggest Rio I've seen yeah biggest Rio Rio I've for sure had uh we we did a half-ass measurement and it was just over like 10 and a half on that on that half-ass measurement and you know we just didn't think there's a lot of stuff going on like you know we've got the we've got it in the net it's great we want to make sure we're, we're keeping it wet you know so we can just take some pictures real quick there's a group of guys that had kayak who had never seen one before so they're thinking like oh that's you know is that a, like an invasive species or something I'm like no throw it on the bank yeah throw it on the bank yeah throw it on the bank kill it um, let me put it in my cooler <laughs> yeah so you know sh- showed it to them and stuff and we, we took our pictures we did all that and you know, was excited just to, to, to get it out. And it's a fun thing about Rios I've noticed is that when you have them in the net and you put them in the water, most fish, like, jet out of the net. Rios tend to, like, tend to, like, go backwards into the net for whatever reason. I don't huh. know. Um, but got them out and, you know, high fives, awesome. And then on the drive home, I stopped for – or on the drive to, to Camp Capers from, from New Braunfels. I stopped to get something to eat, and I looked at what the state record was, and the state record was 11 inches and, like, 11.10, something like that. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. That thing was fat. Right there. Right there. I don't know if we got them on, on length, but I, we might have gotten them on weight. On weight. Oh, but you dude, got, that was a fat. Yeah. yeah I was going to say crazy. length is hard, mm-hmm. but that may have, that was a fat full – so got him on a size ten. Um, it was like a, it's a leech. It wasn't a balanced leech, but but similar, and and on that three weight uh, euro. euro. See, that's the only bad thing about catching a state record when you're euro nymphing is you have to list the tackle that you caught it on. I would have been and fine. Your name. If it was Car- Tinkara, I, I would have been like, nope, no, no, Gabe Avalos, get it off, get it off. <laughs> game pole, euro <laughs> nymphing, and then the fly, <laughs> and it's like. I would would you? Would your name be loud and proud? I would for that. Yes. Dude, if it yeah. was on a Tinkara, I would I be like, that no. Cichlid, I definitely yeah. would. And it, no matter what I caught it on, dude, that thing was freaking massive. Yeah. You know, I will say at the retreat, you guys got a chance to cast the rare rod, and mm-hmm. you liked it more than you thought you would. Yeah. So Zach has a. We need to do a video on this. We dumb do because it's it's cool. I like so, it. Tell tell it to okay. Chef here what we got. So. It's a telescoping fly rod, okay. and fly rods don't telescope. Except for, yeah, in, except for this one. <laughs> <laughs> so 
but the line goes through the middle of the rod. There's no guides, and it comes out the tip. Yep. And it's got this little notch near the reel where the line goes into the rod, so you still have a traditional reel and traditional fly line, but you're casting, and it goes through the tip. Some things I like about the rod is that it telescopes down to this big. Yes. So as far like as I like have it in my car travel, right now, yeah, yeah it's well, always in my car unless I'm traveling. That's not a fishing trip. Yeah. Then like it fits yeah. my backpack. And, travel you know. and with a line on it. Yeah. 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 It's pretty Real awesome. line and a fly. Like that's everything amazing. is right here. This big, you know, it's great. Downsides, it's real heavy. It is heavy, and it's supposed to be like a, I forget four five or five six. I can't remember. It but. does shoot. The line better than I thought it did. You cannot haul with it though. But it doesn't load the rod as much as I would like, no. and you have to use their special line because it's designed Scientific to be with this rod. Partnered, yeah, to cause less friction so as it goes through. I couldn't the, uh, the like I couldn't change the fly line on it myself. No, no. and like kind of build that weight up because you have to have a lot of line out for you that could, rod to bend. You could probably put a. Um, Oh, why am I forgetting the name of it? The weighted leaders. Yeah. Uh, what are they called? Weighted leaders. Oh, I thought they had a fancy poly leaders. Poly leader. Poly Thank leader. you. Yeah, you could probably put a poly leader on it and help it load a little bit better. Yeah, but if I was fishing streamers, great. But if yeah. I'm fishing dry flies yeah, or something, but, but you have a five six weight. It's their light model. I can't remember off the top of my head. It's either four. Do five they have or a smaller five, one? E- That's their light model. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, so it's int- they have like three models now. Like when I bought it, they did, and it was like one. It's you know? it's definitely interesting, and there is a use for it. Oh yeah, and I do feel like it's fly fishing. Yeah, it's I do not feel Tinkara. like Euro nymphing is fly fishing, even though I give a crap. But it's I not Takara. I have a reel. Yes. Yeah. Right, if you have a rod, I still reel. really have fly but line. But does fly line ever come out of the tip of your rod? Uh, you it just- can. <laughs> I mean, I bought the I bought the Euro. I bought the Rio. The Rio. <laughs> Specific Euro Nymph fly line, which is super thin. It's really thin. Uh, it's currently not on there because uh, usually I'm throwing like a f- 30 foot, 30 pound mono mm. uh, that's tied to the end of whatever's on my reel just to keep it balanced. Yeah. But on there. What are you throwing? What do you got? Man, I'll be honest with you. I never fly fish. It's more. Okay. I've told you that I want to go yeah. out with you because I've got everything. Yeah. Um, Let's just, do it. I need to do yeah. it. I always do uh, traditional tackle, mm-hmm. and uh, my boys love to fish. And uh, it's usually the extent of it is the jetty, or 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 we go to Costa Rica. Uh, we do a lot of fishing down there, more deep sea fishing. Um, so we love it. The DNA is there, but we just have never had the time to really get out and mm-hmm. fly fish. Because when I have the opportunity, I take the kids. I try to take them. Hunting, yeah, um, but we need to we need to delve more. We'll and I've it. talked to you about that we'll before. Do, yeah, we'll do it. It's something that I really and you got a box of flies I tied for you for Costa Rica. I, I do. So yeah, you're, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good. I'm ready to go. Yeah. So I had two articles, but I'm just going to do one so yeah. we can get into our talking to Andrew about all that fun sure. stuff. Yeah. So, uh, Gabe, I mean not Gabe, Zach, hit the uh, neat things button for me. How neat is that? That's pretty neat. Neat things in nature. So. Yeti coolers are washing up on Alaska beaches. I saw that. I yeah. heard that. Cooler yeah. hunting may be the new sport. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, look at this picture. I did. I saw that. Let me see it. Mm-hmm. The number of people who have that oh, yellow man. cooler is crazy. It must have oh. been like one. Yeah, look yeah. at that. Yeah. Look at that. So, 
two grand worth of coolers stacked. Yeah. Along, along the Gulf Coast of Alaska, uh, people are living out what we can only assume are the wet dreams of old sunburned beachcombers <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> Thousands of expensive Yeti coolers are washing up on shore after a cargo after a cargo ship spilled 109 containers of them near Washington's Olympic Peninsula last year. And what do you know? They're in great shape. Uh, the possibility of Yeti's marketing team orchestrating the spill and perhaps even driving the tanker now tops our list of most suspicious outdoor conspiracy theories. By all accounts, they're going fast. One collector, Duke, has reportedly nabbed 20. Why this Alaska man needs the kind of cooler space that could keep 1,140 beers cold simultaneously eludes us, but it sounds like a great time. Uh, so, yeah, so apparently a cargo ship spilled a bunch of Yeti coolers in the ocean, and they're washing up in Alaska, and there is a frenzy to, to them. collect them all. To, yeah. That is crazy. What, what, yeah. What's crazy about it is, so I'm a, I have six Yetis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Those things are so damn heavy. I'm surprised they're not at the bottom of the ocean. Really, but I they're closed. They're they're right. hard. Yeah, no, I know, yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. they're so damn heavy without anything inside. <laughs> yeah, of you would yeah. think they're just thinking like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder. I wonder if that uh, the foam they stick in there, right? The foam yeah. core. It's got to make them float. Oh, it's got 100%. Sure. Oh, they're bombing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm yeah. sure. Well, yeah, you, yeah. you got this vacuum seal, right? Yeah. It's a lot. I mean, yeah, yeah. Those right. things probably float really well. It yeah. would have saved that guy on Titanic. And I doubt there's any. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I better doubt there's door. better than the door. I was gonna say. I bet. I doubt there's any icebergs out there. That's no. Right. But that, that no is, reason for that is the knock on Yetis for me, anyways. How They're so they heavy, empty. Yeah. And I just dealt with that this past week. I bet. Once yeah. you fill it with meat and ice, man. It's yeah. like where's the third two. handle? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you need two yeah. individuals yeah. for sure. Yeah. 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 Shout out to Arctic. I'm still rolling with the old school Arctic Yeti I knockoff before yeah. they got sued. Yeah. So Ooh. yeah. So that way uh, they can't make those anymore. They can't make these anymore. Yeah. But they make other stuff still. Yeah. I, no, you Yeah, know I think they do. Yeah, I don't see it, it at Bucky's. It has to be oh yeah, because Bucky's has their own proprietary That's right, stuff there you now. Go. Um, yeah, but no, I've so got, does a, I've got a real and so does everybody. Yeah, else. they all yeah. do. Yeah. I keep, just keep on it. Everybody you, reverse engineered that yeah. stuff. Oh yeah. yeah, but I bought two of these when they when they were getting sued and they had to sell everything off. I bought two of them. So yeah, yeah, they're just so cool. Say, this is the original fake one. <laughs> Yeti's not making these anymore. Really? Yeah, these little ten ounce tumblers. Why not? Really? I don't know. I got an email about it today. And huh. I was like, that's weird. I thought this was like one they of the They sent you an email and said, sorry, well, they're loser, we're not making these they're anymore. They're promoting like the, the mixed so drink aspect of it. But I drink, like, I drink the coffee out of that. Yeah, no, too. I use these almost more than anything yeah, else. I do too. So they move into the too. camp one with the handle? I don't know. They didn't, there was no explanation. It was like, get them while you can. We're stop making them. They're going to sell out. Wow. Uh, they're probably changing it. They're probably just saying that. So you yeah. go buy them and they're just going to keep making <laughs> like, them. Yeah. I was like, we have some old colors we need to get rid of. What's a marketing scheme we can it's like that furniture store off of 410. Oh, and it's been going out of business. For five years. At least five years. Yeah. Oh, man. Good deal. All right, Andrew. So let's talk about first Mr. Juicy Burger. Yeah. So where are they located? So there's currently one. Okay. That is at 3315 San Pedro. It's an, it's an alien green building on the corner of San Pedro and Hildebrand. Um, is that south from? Because I'm thinking, in comparison to or, or oh, it's so got to yeah, be yeah, south. Go down and make a right. Yeah. So it's how far? How it's far? It's across the street from the original Taco Cabana. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, on the other corner, there's so there's four hard corners. You've got Mr. Juicy on one, 
Original Taco Cabana on the other, Walgreens, and Jim's. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so if you were driving from Orvis down Heading the street, south. You'd make a To right. Sac, for example. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, yeah. and so for 50 years, it was a jack-in-the-box. That long? It was a 50 jack- years, wow. yeah. And um, the day that it came up for lease, um, I said I want it. You know, and um, uh, Starbucks wanted it also. But I begged and pleaded with the owners. It's a family in Kansas. They're farmers. And I just said, hey, look, I'm a local guy. Please consider me. I didn't think they were going to do it. But they said, we want to go with the local guy. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because Starbucks did the demo, the demographics on that corner, and they knew they'd sell a ton of coffee. Right. Yeah, right there. There's so much traffic. Oh, yeah. And what's interesting is the closest coffee really of any note, I'm a big coffee. I'm a, I love espresso. Yeah. And when I'm not making it myself in my house, um, there's not a lot of places to find it in that general vicinity. The closest Starbucks is probably the one by Guitar Center in Orvis, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, if you don't want you Starbucks. Just, but you're if just you missing that. I, I just realized that right now when you said it. There's not. There's well, we're not. trying to get open in the mornings to sell coffee. I've always had, I've had a coffee shop for 23 years, and it's just ridiculous. You know, at Mr. Juicy, we have Nitro Brew. Uh-huh. Which is excellent. We locally source that from Estate Coffee. Shout out to Estate Coffee. Oh yeah, Estate Coffee. Okay. Um, but I want to get an espresso machine in there so we can start uh, serving that in the morning. So you say you so you currently own a coffee shop? Yeah. So for twenty three years, I've owned uh, Sip Coffee down at St. Mary's and uh, Houston Street yeah, downtown. Okay. Yeah. I was awesome. I existed there before. Not only the Starbucks way predate the Starbucks, but um, even the hotel that is part of, we're in the same building yeah. there. But um, we were one of the first coffee shops that really took coffee seriously in San Antonio. Yeah. I really can't think of anybody else who did prior to us. I was thinking after that, probably like almost Perk or something like that. No. They're, well, the, they're in that area? Yeah. No, that's for, that's probably, that's three or four miles. From okay, really? Okay. Yeah, so like I talked to a, Robbie Grubbs, who was the uh, founder of Local Coffee, uh-huh. and he used to tell me, man, back in the day, we used to come from Dallas and hang out in your coffee shop and talk <laughs> about opening a coffee shop. Yeah. You know? So it goes back a long, That's long awesome. Yeah. That's I just cool. I just sold it. I've got one in the airport, uh-huh. though, but uh, the one downtown is, as of four months ago, I got rid of. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you sold it. Okay. Yeah. And you so you have, you own one in the airport. So the way the airport works, it's interesting. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm actually kind of curious yeah, about this. Yeah, me too. So the airport is very interesting. Like you can't just go in there and say, "I want to lease a space in the airport." Right. The way it works is, there's an umbrella company. This happens to be um, uh, Paradise Legadere, and Host is another. I'm sure you've heard of Host before. They're a huge conglomerate. They're an international company. They own bunches of stuff. They come into an airport and they say, hey, when the RFP rolls out from the city saying we're looking for new operators, a company like that will come in and they, the city stipulates you have to have, I don't know, 80% local operators. You can put a Chick-fil-A in there and you can put a steak and shake or whatever, but you have to have 80% locally driven concepts. Really? Okay. So they'll come to a guy like me and say, hey, you got to help us win this RFP, you're going to go before the city council. They're going to vote on it. And what happened was this most recent iteration, it was narrowed down to two teams, two uh, teams that had applied. Uh, and 
Johnny Hernandez was kind of the head of the other team who owns La Gloria. Yeah, and Burger Teca. Burger and, Teca yeah. and True Flavors, all that. And then it was the group I was associated with, and we were the finalists, and the city council chose us. And um, so part of that was Merit Coffee. I'll say you guys the Merit Coffee. Merit Coffee. Yeah. My sip concept, another concept. I'll, I'll have two concepts. The next one is opening up in, supposed to be around October 7th or 8th. Will it still be Terminal A, or are you guys going to be? It's all Terminal A right now, because that was what the RFP was, was for. Was just for that yeah. one terminal. Yeah. Okay, cool. Right. Request for proposal. Yes, request. Okay, I was like, <laughs> that was my old job. That's what I, I was like, yeah. I was like, I'll take it. Whatever that <laughs> yeah. means, you know, educate. There's a bunch of different acronyms. I don't ask. Yeah. I just listen, you know. So, <laughs> so um, it was Smoke Shack and, and um, you know, a couple other places, and we won, and so we're excited about that. And so they license uh, your name. So, like, my other restaurants, I'm hands-on. Right. I'm there every day. Lareville, Sonia, Sambar, I was there every single day touching every plate. With the airport, they're like, you can be here as often as you want or not ever again for the next 10 years, and it's mailbox money. You, you earn a percentage of all sales. Gotcha. So it can be extremely lucrative. So the competition is is very intense. Yeah, to get that spot. To because get once spot. you get that spot, people you are got going. you got sitting people ducks essentially. You it's know, sitting ducks. You yeah. know, you've got a captive audience. And, and are you having to the employees and the training? I don't deal with any of that. Really? It's because like it all has to be through the airport for right? a rest. Yes. No. Well, it's through Paradise. Okay. They do all the hiring, firing. It's like host all these other. It's like, uh, but you're giving them the blueprint of like this is what yeah, the concept is, yeah. and this is what the expectation. And to be are. honest with you, you know they don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, hey, look, we know you want to have something really spectacular, but uh, slices of pizza that we reheat those sell. <laughs> yeah. And at first, yeah, they, you know, I, yeah, I told my do. wife, I told my wife, I was like, I'm gonna be there because they said you can be there as much or as little as you want, and I'm like, I was intensively there at the opening, and then I realized they pulled me to the side and said, hey, look. We know what sells, and at the end of the day, you want your check that arrives at your house to be big, so let us help you with that. Yeah. It was really tough for me because for 30 years I've been doing this where I don't, I am, I micromanage every single thing, Yeah, and that was tough. I bet. It was heartbreaking, seriously. Um, but And then you got your first check in the mail, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> Maybe this isn't so bad. Well, I got three. I got three hungry kids. You know, it's like, yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> but, uh, so that's what that is. That's how that works. Oh, that's very. I didn't know it worked like that at all. Okay. I thought it was just like, oh, you just lease a spot in the airport, and the rent's probably high, but they probably make good yeah. money. That's what, honestly traffic. how I thought it worked too. Yeah. I didn't know it was. Well, a I didn't know either end. until I they asked me to be part of this this effort. To, yeah. to, to to get this contract so there'll be more coffee shops in terminal a or other concept stuff other concept okay yes yeah yeah but it's funny you mentioned about the pizza because the last time I was there it was like 7.30. It's like, oh, you know what? A crappy piece of pizza sounds good. All right, great. Here's, <laughs> like, here's like $10 for a slice. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And I was like, oh, it's fine. Man, that's bad. It's usually what <laughs> they say is it's street. Yeah. You know, meaning it's the, the restaurant on the street. It's street plus like 20%. Yeah. 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 So whatever fun. you're paying for that coffee at Merit, for example... You're paying twenty percent more in the airport, and but get, you don't give you don't, you don't care because no, yeah, that's what you, that's what yeah. you have. It's like that's this right. is what the option. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. they don't let you bring anything through. Uh, no, no. So, so here's the deal. I, I think I'm besides Johnny, I'm the only operator with two two units in the airport. My first unit is SIP, but it's pre security, and as you know, you can't take liquid oh, liquids yeah. through. So I was like bummed out. My, we got caught up 
the se- my second location got caught up in all of COVID. When basically airports shut down, they said, hey, look, we're not going to get your second location up. Um, this is the order that these restaurants are going in, and your, your big concept was slated to be like ninth, and it just got decapitated with COVID. So that's why it's just opening now. I was getting, I'm not going to complain. The checks have been great. Um, a lot of people that travel internationally get there early in the morning and they don't want to go through security. So they'll sit in front of sit pre-security and just sit there and drink coffee and buy pastries. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Especially a lot of Mexican nationals. Yeah. We'll just sit there and hang out. Sit for, there and hang out with their families or whatever before, before they go through. Before they go through. That makes so a lot of sense. it has been, it went from, and this is every operator in there, it went from doing like nothing to just skyrocketed. We had the biggest tr- summer of travel in aviation history. This last summer. This last summer. Yeah. So it just was really tremendous. We were going through uh, 180 pounds of espresso beans every week and a half. Wow. Yeah. It got crazy. Mm. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. How, uh, so I'm curious, in uh, like a normal coffee shop outside the airport, how many pounds of espresso beans are you going through? So, like, I had a busy, uh, arguably the best corner in all of downtown is where SIP was. Uh-huh. And that's why uh, Starbucks is right across the street also. They do the heavy studies. I didn't yeah. do anything. I went with a gut feeling yeah. years ago. Yeah. Um, I would go through, on a very, very busy week, 70, 80 pounds of espresso beans. Wow, so you're doubling what an average week would be. Yes, on the low side, like more, like. Two to two point five x. Wow! Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So, so you sold the coffee shop, but you still have the airport stuff going on. And then, what else? What did you did you just do the coffee sh- shop before Mister Juicy Burger, or did oh, you no. have other projects? <laughs> Walk used, us through the timeline. Yeah. <laughs> so, I when I came back um, from San Antonio, I went to culinary school. After college, I went to culinary school in New York. Then I. Uh, did well in culinary school and was asked to work in France, so I worked in France. Oh, uh, that's like uh, the back then. My uh, understanding is like yeah. go to France to do. Yeah, that's that, like top tier. That was pro league. Yeah, that was like as good as it gets. There, Michel- I worked in Michelin starred restaurants, which, if you know what Michelin star restaurants are, they're. Uh, you're performing at that's the NBA that's the or the yeah. NFL or that is is that's the tip of the spear spear that's the top of the iceberg whatever you want to say that's like the best right you're performing at such a high level it's very stressful what was I would say what's the pressure like when you're at uh, that, that level I can't really it's very militaristic yeah um, back when I was there you would see chefs uh, it wasn't uncommon to see a chef hit someone, physically hit them. Just because of the pressure they're under. and Yeah, but um, so like in France, you decide what you're going to do when you're 12 years old. Right. And you're on that track. And so like a lot of these guys and gals say, okay, well, I want to be a chef. And they take that course and their parents literally drop them off at the back doorstep of these restaurants. And the chef becomes their surrogate parent. Yeah. And I'll never forget, we would have lineup every morning at 6 a.m., and um, this, the, one of the cooks, Kristoff, it's so embedded in my brain, I'll never forget. Kristoff could not get the pilot lit for the stove. And so Bernard, chef, the, he was a uh, French chef, married, real small guy. He was a one-star Michelin chef, which is very, he's famous. Everybody knows every, they're the stars of France. Right. And um, 
Bernard was probably just five feet tall. He was married to a 6'2 German woman. <laughs> and the meanest lady you'd ever want to meet. But Bernard... Sounds like my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kristoff uh, couldn't get the pilot lit under the stock that we were making for that day. And Bernard walked in and he was f- just fuming, super mad that uh, the stock wasn't already on. And he came over and I asked Kristoff why he didn't have it lit and Christoph didn't come up with a good enough answer. So he punched him right in the stomach and me being an American, <laughs> you're like, Oh my God. Well, I'm like, Holy yeah. Crap, you, know? The police? But I'm, <laughs> you know, we look through things in, in such a different lens. Yeah. I'm like, dude, just quit, man. Why? I mean, do whatever you want. Cause yeah. he was crying. Yeah. This guy. And he's like, I can't quit. You know, this is what I've chosen to do. And I'm like, you're 18 years old. Man. Right. You can do whatever you want. You know, once again, American, like American, right. This doesn't work. Try the next, try something else. And he's like, no, I can't, I can't leave. Yeah. And so, um, it really opened my eyes, but yeah, it's super intense, really intense because there's so much, um, pride and money and competition and everything's on the line. And, and it's just, it's really tough. I I can't. So when I came back from there, I, how long were you there for? I worked for a year. That's about, that's. That's a long time in a French kitchen. Really? A Is year. it? Yeah. <laughs> and so. Uh, One day seems enough for me. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty tough. And so I had worked for a French master chef in Connecticut who his original uh, restaurant where he worked when he came to America was Le Cirque. Le Cirque is a very storied restaurant. At one time, it was considered the best restaurant in New York and potentially one of the best in the world. Um. They were they had shut down to break the back of the um, union years a year or two before, and they were reopening. And my my original chef in Connecticut said, "You're coming back from New York to apply for a job there." So I was like, "Okay." <laughs> so I came back and I went through a series of um, of interviews, and they hired me. Worked there, worked around New York for a while, and that was every bit as difficult as working in France. Really, in New York? Yeah. In that high level, yeah. Were you in Manhattan or yes, yeah, yeah? Okay, Fifty First Street. So ta- okay, so walk me through like the stress and the pressure and the high level. Is it like making sure that the food is perfect? Is it the quantity of perfect food that you're putting out? Is it the pressure coming down on you? All like, of the above. Okay, and it's so intense. You know, when we open up Le Cirque, it's it's funny. I look back at this now; it's crazy. Le Cirque was a restaurant where, on a nightly basis, the Clintons would show up. Bill Cosby was there every other night. Uh, I, you name the, the, the celebrity, I cooked for him there. Uh, they would walk through the kitchen. We had an open kitchen. Chuck Mangione played his trumpet for us wow, uh, yeah. while we were cooking. Yeah, uh, It was pretty intense. And um, But, you know, Ciro, there's a, there's a documentary on Netflix called The Table in Heaven, and it's about Ciro, my boss, at Le Cirque, and what the life was like there yeah super intense but he would come in and he would tell us he'd fl- he'd come in with a pile of of resumes and slam them down and say i have all these resumes i can get rid of any one of you guys <laughs> and this is we'd be working seven days a week most of us lived at the time i lived in the east village and 51st street um we'd cook all day long we'd they'd make us we'd get there at 7 a.m and we wouldn't leave until by the time we finished scrubbing the kitchen uh, it was 11 or 12 at night. We were so physically exhausted. Then you'd have to wait for the subway train. Then you'd take the train home. It would take another 30, 40 minutes. By the time you got to bed, it was 2 a.m., and you'd have to be back there. 
at, at seven. six or yeah. seven. Yeah. Be, you oh had to be God. there before your shift. Yeah. And you would be so physically exhausted. I saw guys crying on the line, grown men. You would just break down, you know, and that food had to be so perfect. Somebody coming in and spending at the time, even back then, you know, for two people, six, seven, eight hundred bucks. Oh, wow. Everything had to be perfect. The the temp on the meat or the the accoutrements that went with it or the mash, the, the potatoes mousseline had to be so silky because you had people that know food from all over the world coming in to eat. And if it wasn't like, you know, they'd hear about it and then you'd get crushed. So it was it was tough. Yeah. Now, is there good money at least in doing that? No, when you're so I had one of the better positions in the kitchen. I was what was uh, called the saucier. So I built the sauces that went on all the dishes. Um, and I got I found a check stub of mine a long time ago, and I was I couldn't believe it. <laughs> in New York City, working those crazy hours, I think I made five hundred bucks a week. And what you couldn't you, survive. What years were you there? That was in ninety seven. Okay. But but the point is that you know you have to cut your teeth in those areas to get you in to get you in your foot in the door. Yeah, it, to open up that to takes, those that other That takes doors. you yeah. everywhere else. So was that having that on your resume would have gotten you anywhere you wanted to go? Pretty much, yeah. Really? So like yeah. where I told them where I worked in France, they that also got mm-hmm. gained me entree to Le Cirque, which in turn, like if you read anything about anything that's ever been written about me, it tells this this story, mm-hmm. um, and that's opened all the. All the doors it allowed me to make the the money that I've made in this industry, which isn't always possible for a lot of people. Yeah. So I'm extremely grateful for that. But when I came back here, um, the reason why I came back, I was working at Le Cirque, and I came home to visit my family. And on the way back to my airport, on the way back to the airport, my sister said, "Hey, I got to show you this location downtown that's for lease. Maybe it's something that you could do. Open up a restaurant." I saw it, and I was like, "That's it." I'm going to open up a restaurant there. I went back to New York. Literally within a month, I was back in San Diego. I gathered all my stuff. I said, I'm done. Yeah. So I came back and opened up um, La Rev. I'll tell you a quick funny story. I don't want to be real long-winded, but I'm really proud of this. It's funny. Um, I've never been – my restaurants, I've been blessed to have won pretty much every award available to restaurants, um, locally and nationally. I opened up a small French restaurant and only had – 14 tables called La Rev, meaning the dream, in downtown San Antonio across from the bus stop. And I required jackets for gentlemen. Reservations were required. Um, there was, you know, there was a lot of hoops you had to jump through. And we would be booked up months in advance. And um, I'll never forget, this was when Gourmet Magazine was really popular. I don't know if you guys you guys are probably too young to remember Gourmet Magazine, but I, they would always have a list, the top 50 restaurants in America. And it was a big deal when that would come out. And um, one year, I was with my, I'll never forget, my wife and I, uh, we were dating at the time. I said, uh, we went to Barnes & Nobles. I said, hey, that edition comes out. I, I want to see who's in the top 50. And um, she waited in the car, and I ran in and got it. And I was flipping through it, and I'm like, holy shit. I thought I misread it. We were in there, you uh-huh. know? So we were number 21. Yeah. And I couldn't believe it. I was this young guy. I was like, oh, my God, we're number 21. I brought it out to my wife. So fast forward to the next year, and I was like, we're not going to get this again. This is like, that was just such a fluke. So I, I go back to Barnes & Nobles. I get the magazine, and we were number six. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. And that, 
I can only imagine that how changed, that changes that changed, everything. The top ten, that changed my life. Yeah. There was a prolific writer. His name was Johnny Apple. He worked for the New York Times. Very, very famous uh, writer. He's He passed away now, but he wanted to do an article on us. And he called me. I didn't believe it was him when he called. He called me on my, it wasn't, I don't think I had a cell phone. I don't recall. Yeah, I did have a cell phone at the time. He called me and he said, this is Johnny Apple from the New York Times. I'm like, yeah, right. You know, I thought it was a joke. Turned out it wasn't a joke. It was Johnny Apple. <laughs> he said, I'm coming down in a week and I want to I want to do a story about Larev. And at the time I had a seafood restaurant next to it called The Sandbar. And um, I was like, oh my God. I was at, I'll never forget, I was at a dinner party with two close friends of ours. And I came back to the table. My wife's like, well, what's wrong? Because I was like, <laughs> I couldn't really. And I said, that was Johnny Apple from the New York Times. He's coming to write about. Because that, when you're in the New York Times, I don't care if it's for good or bad. Everyone reads that. It's publicity, yeah. It's huge publicity. He came down, wrote this glowing one page, like on the foot. My mom called me screaming. <laughs> She's like, you're not going to believe this. You got to get the New York Times. It was on Sunday. No. I think it was on Sunday. It was either Sunday or Wednesday. She's not. She's like, you're not going to believe this. You're the whole page. The whole page is about you. We were getting calls from reservations from people in Morocco. Really? People in France. People would fly in to dine with us. We had a four-month wait at that time to get in. Oh we just gosh. didn't know what to do with ourselves. Yeah. We, we were like so just, it was this crazy surreal time in the life of our, that restaurant. Yeah. And that carried us through. That was in like year three of the restaurant. That carried us for the next seven years until I closed it. Yeah. Why'd you close it? You know, people ask me that. They asked me that on this podcast I was on yesterday. And um, oh, you every were on re- every re- yeah <laughs> every restaurant that I've ever owned, I've gone out at arguably the top of you know before it was like people were dragging you off stage with a hook. You right. know what I mean? And so I did the same thing at the Pearl. My Two restaurants. I was the first restaurant tour at the Pearl. There were no other restaurants. It was me. Yeah, that was it. Kit Goldsberry, the owner, when I owned Larev, came to me and said, "I want you to open up a restaurant here," and I did it. And that's um, part of the reason why I closed Larev. But the main reason is uh, I had a son on the way. My wife was pregnant, and um, I just said, "You know what? I know the writing's on the wall. I can't. I can't put in these kind of hours if I have a child." Yeah. And so we opened up at the Pearl, and it was a huge success. What was the restaurant at the Pearl? Il Sonio, also okay. meaning the dream. Yeah, I carried that lineage, the DNA, through to Il Sonio. It was a it was a very well received Italian restaurant, and that also was packed for, you know, at at La Rev, we did we did really well monetarily speaking, but it was on a small scale, and I was a young guy, so number those numbers were big to me. When we opened up Il Sonio. We, I'll never forget this. Um, we would open up. It's before I took reservations. I was like, I'm done with the reservation game. I don't want to play that. It's such a mess. Let's just do open seating. We would open up for lunch at 11 o'clock. At 10.30, 10.20, people would be queuing up. We'd open up the doors, and they would flood the restaurant, and every seat would be taken uh-huh. in the restaurant within five minutes. Oh my It'd gosh. be like a... I don't know if you guys know what Filene's Basement is in New York, but they have a sale there and all these women just rushing <laughs> and <laughs> elbowing each other. Yeah. That's how it was in the restaurant. It was crazy. And we could never catch up. Like, we'd be cooking as fast I was as we saying, could. How do you, like, if everybody comes in at one time, how do you And we cook that? every, every one of my restaurants cooks everything to order. We never sandbag or make stuff in advance. Everything is made. You order a 
pasta. We're sitting there sauteing, making the sauce, reducing it, putting cooking right the pasta right then and there. Yeah. So I was just like, we can't do this. After about a month, um, I was like, we got to go to reservations. Yeah. So we went to reservations, but uh, the numbers we were doing were just insane. Right. It was insane. So that's how that whole the whole genesis. And that that one's not open anymore. No. So after ten years, people same yeah. thing. If you look online, people were like, why would you close this? I am. I love to conceptualize, and ten years for me, everything has a shelf life. I don't care what it is. Um, the restaurant, more so than anything. And after ten years, I was like, you know what? I'm I'm ready to move on to something else. Yeah. I feel like I, I saw a quote somewhere where you'd mentioned like you, not necessarily an, an, an addiction to it, but you you enjoy opening up the new stuff. Y- yeah, and it's like it's, a drug. Yeah. Yeah, it's that high that you're like you've created something and like see what happens. A lot of unknown to with yeah. That, yeah. Because yeah. before Mr. Juicy in that in the initial spot, there was a I think he had like a falafel restaurant. Yeah, Moshe's Golden Falafel. Yeah. And maybe that was open two years, a year? How I don't remember, but it, uh two years and it had a fervent following. Yeah. But what happened was we were living in Costa Rica at the time. I had opened it and got it up and running. I had never done this with a restaurant, but we had decided we're moving to Costa Rica. And I told my wife I would fly back once a month to check on the progress and make sure everything was going all right. Um, and I was coming back more and more, and it just wasn't. It's the first restaurant restaurant I've ever had. I have a number in my head that my restaurants need to make to make it worthwhile for me to be away from my family. Right. Otherwise, I don't. It, I, it's I not worth your time. It's not worth my time. Yeah. So Moshe's Golden Falafel was busy all the time. There's no doubt about it. And we had lines there also, but. Um, it just was not making enough money. And we were vacationing down in Colombia from Costa Rica. And in the area where we were staying, there was this little hamburger place. And they every single day, they had a line out the door. And I kind of just woke up and said, in the middle of the night, and I said, that's what I'm going to turn that into as a burger place. But we're going to do it different than everybody else does. We're going to make everything to order. We're going to make our own bread, cut our own fries, make our own patties, yeah, I know you guys did your own bread um, and the fries, but I didn't know everything was made to order. 100% everything is made there. That is awesome. Yeah. So wow. that's how that came about. Yeah. So okay, it's been so open went, for three years now. It's been open for three years. Yeah. Okay. okay. So you went right from the Moshi's Falafel yeah. to uh, Mr. Well, so I had Moshi's fl- Golden Falafel, and I was also um, – Signature restaurant at La Cantera, which is a very fine dining restaurant. Mm-hmm. Uh, USA hired me to to basically be an owner. They let me do whatever I wanted. Gotcha. They paid me a bunch of money to just come out there and curate a restaurant. Yeah, and I did that for f- my contract was for five year for five years. Okay, and what happened was a friend of mine uh, is the head of real estate for USAA Realco. He said, "Hey man, this is going to come to an end because I'm selling." The, the resort, the billionaire out of California bought it. And so the new ownership asked me to stay on. And I said, okay, but the band broke up, you yeah. know, and the new ownership asked me to stay on. I said, I'll do it. I'll help you with the transition. So I did. And then they said, Hey, can you stay on another 60 days? And I said, all right. Then after that, they said another 30 days. And I said, okay, but this is it. I just right. don't, I'm a foreigner in my own rest. I don't feel right. Part of everybody's. This. Yeah. So 30 more days passed by and, it turned into six or eight months that I stayed on, but then I left. Yeah. And so then I said, you know what? I'm going to focus on my consulting that I do 
and on Mr. Juicy. Yeah, you consult yeah. for restaurants. Yeah, I get calls. Just I don't advertise it, but people right, right. call me and say, "Hey, yeah. can you help us?" Definitely. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. When's the TV show like? Uh, what's that guy that does the bars? Bar Rescue. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I've gotten calls from the Food Network to do stuff, but it's just one of those things that doesn't appeal to me. Yeah. Yeah. One the time too, I imagine yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. So, uh, I, I want to go to Mr. Juicy Burger now. I'm uh, telling you, I'm, I've been telling you guys to go. You, you got to come check it out. Man. Yeah. and it, <sighs> We all need to go together. Wait, go guys, go with you guys the are, ambassador. You guys go, go Saturday, yeah. Saturday morning? We can go probably. I will, I'll be at Lost Maples. Let's Don't go Saturday. I actually have to go to San Francisco. I'd love to see you guys. Okay. I'm going to be in San Francisco. We'll, we'll plan okay. it. We'll we plan will, it we'll, down we'll the road. We'll let you know that we'll yeah, welcome yeah. it. Yeah. 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 And, and that <sighs> My problem is that you're making just as good of a chicken sandwich that I've had anywhere else. And then you just got like a green chili. So we haven't even thing. made plans yet, and you can't even decide what you want. Why it's don't, tough. We, can get, we can get three different things and cut it in three. Yeah, we can. Or four different things. You can yeah. join us. We can all have this it. Is yeah. True. Yeah. This is true. It's one of those are. things that, uh, it, you know, sometimes you, it's a very singular type menu, um, but I crave that food. Like, I don't yeah. get sick of it. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's good. And then you, you throw curveballs out there, too. You've done, you've done like... Um, do the meatball sub? Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go over there. No <laughs> oh, way it's going to be so, sold out. It sold out in 34 minutes. The meatball yeah. sub? Yeah. I was oh, like, oh, my God. Like, I came in there also. And I was like, hey, oh, meatball I'd sub put for that me. Back. You know? I nope, love meatball sorry. subs. It is out. Gone. <laughs> I, need to get, I need to give you the heads up next time. It's all right. It's It, it was it was awesome to see that happen. But we're just like, It was man. crazy. That was, my staff was so mad at me that yeah. day. Because we have this, we have a very busy restaurant. And we don't need to make it more difficult. But I get like the restaurant concepts, I get crazy. I can't just gotta try something new. I gotta try something new. So I said today, and I don't even give them a two day notice. I show up and I'm like, we're gonna do meatballs. And you meatball just have subs. A, you have the ingredients. Yeah. We're like, make hey, it real quick. This is what we're doing. Yeah, I don't even show them how to execute it or anything. <laughs> so roll the dice. Yeah, <laughs> they'd be sold out in thirty minutes. Oh so, man, I was That's like. Right. I guess I'll have a chicken sandwich. Like, <laughs> that was, like it was like I'm still gonna be happy with that. But right. We were just I don't know. It was it was cool. The thrill. Yeah. Was, the, yeah. The meatball. Yeah. Stuff. But I like I felt like I felt dumb because I was walking in like one o'clock. I'm like, hey, hey guys, <laughs> what's going on? I'll take my meatball sub, thanks. And I'm like, no, you should have been here three hours ago. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring my coworkers in. We go to lunch once a week. Yes. I'll bring them by one day. Let, yeah. me, let me know. Okay, I'll yeah, let yeah. you know. Yeah, the, the chicken sandwich fantastic, and then and then. Usually what I would get is just a, a regular cheeseburger with bacon and that fried egg on top. That sounds good. And sounds it just like good. you just pops and put the put the lid on. Pop it all the Yeah. And then and then, you know, you'll just want to take a giant nap like right there. Just, <laughs> you, like, right you get done eating, you just like lay down underneath the table. <laughs> but here's the thing. That food so we don't add any hydrogenated yeah. fats or no extra sugars or anything like that. So if you look at it, if you're gonna eat a burger, it's kinda like the the best of the worst. If you're going to eat that kind of food, eat that. Eat Mr. Juicy. Yeah. Because it's highly curated meat and, and bread and all that kind of stuff. So you're not getting, like, all the bad stuff. Yeah. But even with, like, your chicken, you you're, you could see the guys. They're breading oh, it there. Oh, we're breading it to order. They're, yeah. They're breading it to there. To order. It's, it's awesome. It is. Yeah. yeah. It is cool. So talk about your Neil guy hunt you just got back from. Yes. Pretty cool. Um, yeah, the Neil guy hunt was tremendous. It was down at a portion of what used to be the Ituria Ranch, um, right across the highway from the King Ranch. It's in the Ituria-King Ranch corridor. And uh, 
we I went down looking for Mill Guy bulls, of course, and um, it was a tremendous hunt. You know, those animals are very elusive, and they're always on the run. So I've heard. Yeah, you really have to hunt them. And then you gotta. They don't come down either. Um. So they absorb a lot, and it, like a lot of a lot of ranches will recommend or require you to have a three hundred wind mag or something more powerful. I took my 30-06 um, Winchester Model 70, and that thing just knocked the hell out of it. Yeah. I mean, it was a – I love that gun. It's a great rifle, um, great caliber. And um, so it's a it's a tough hunt. I mean, if you've ever hunted them, they, they just don't like to show themselves. And when they do, what, like I mentioned, they're always on the run. They've got a great sense of smell and sight. They're always on the lookout, very apprehensive. Uh, we had seen a couple of uh, cows, um, but it's kind of like turkey hunting. Um, what kills more turkeys than anything in its patience, you know? So you really got to wait on them and just just be patient. So uh, I got fortunate and was able to uh, take a take a bull. Were you like spot and stalking, or were you just kind of like Both. hanging out, waiting for things to come in? Both. Um, I did, uh, the way I killed this one was I was waiting. Um, and it was funny. I was by myself. This sounds like such a hillbilly move, but it was so hot out there. I was taking my shirt off. <laughs> Nobody was around. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take my shirt off. And so I leaned my, uh, rifle and I'm taking my shirt off. And all of a sudden I hear something behind me and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I turn, and out of the corner of my eye, I see this animal. And so I grab my gun, and at the same time, he knew. He heard something. So he shot across the Sendero, and I picked up the rifle, and I turned, and it was the luckiest shot ever. It was pure luck. I shot it, and it was a it shot him through the heart, and he dropped. And these things have quarter-inch thick skin. I was saying they have like a, like a fat cap or something. They don't have fat. They don't have fat. Um, in fact, like the snowmageddon, the cold yeah. weather uh, really killed a lot of them off. Really? Because no, it's just muscle. But it's got that quarter it, it, it's thick hide. It's got a really thick hide. Really? Okay. And if you don't shoot them right, they'll absorb it and they'll just take they'll off. Take off. They'll take off. This was a lucky shot. And um, I was fortunate that it dropped them right away and it died right away. Yeah. Um, but the meat is so good, I would argue that it's probably, there's not a finer meat that you can harvest off of an animal. Really? Yeah. Okay. Better than Sandhill Crane? Better than Sandhill Crane. Better oh, than Axis? Yeah. Axis is my oh, favorite. Oh. Axis is great, but yeah. it, it yes. so far outpaces Axis. Really? Okay. Really, yeah. Okay. So what what are, walk us through is, okay, you, you've dropped it, you've processed it. No, no, no. Don't, go okay. back. Well, wait, go ahead. You dropped it, and you you told us before yeah. the podcast that you processed it. So what is that like for you? So the first thing that has to happen in a situation like that is the animal's not going anywhere. You know, you can't even drag that thing. You have. I had to call the— How heavy was yours? 500 pounds? Yeah. Oh, man. But that's a small—that's on the small side of a, of a bull, of a big bull. Like, those things can obtain—they can be 700 pounds. Yeah. So they bring a front loader tractor out. Like oh, the, tr man. the ranch hands came out in a truck when I told them, I said, hey, it's a smaller bull. 
they got out there with their flashlights because it was the sun was starting to go down, and they're like, ah, "No, this isn't that small of a bowl. We're gonna need the front loader." So they brought they bring the they come out in the tractor and they pick it up in the bucket. Nice. Then that thing gets hung, gutted. Um, you can't really you can field dress them, but I didn't have a bone saw to split the rib cage out there, mm-hmm. so they hauled it back, um, and then it's processed just like a deer. I brought it home and I had five. Four large um, Yetis and one huge igloo. And I had to, I, it wasn't enough. I had to donate some of the meat to the ranch hands. Um, and so I brought it all home under ice, kept it really nice. And then the next day I started to process it, remove it from the bone, grind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ground a bunch of it. I got some what's called bung casing to make sausages. Mm-hmm. Um and so the last two nights my family has had, we started out, of course, with the tenderloin, the back strap, right. actually. And I'll show you pictures of that. I have it on my phone. But that was roast, pan-roasted and then what's called aromatized with oh, yeah. butter and thyme yeah. over the top. Finished real quickly in the oven, let it rest, sliced, and it's between rare and medium rare. Mm-hmm. This stuff was like butter. You can cut it with the side of a, a, of a fork. Yeah. That, what I made last night, which was interesting, is I ground a bunch of it and I mixed it with... Um, some pork meat, um, pork fat. I did uh, cabbage rolls. So I made a tomato sauce. I blanched off in salted water the cabbage and took that ground meat, spiced it up with onions and garlic, and it's so mild. It's so mild. Wrapped it up, ladled uh, the tomato sauce over the top, baked it off. Really? Unbelievable. And I made what's uh, called uh, potatoes, uh, Leonese potatoes, which are... Thinly sliced potatoes with onions, sautéed to where they're real crispy. Put that down on the plate, and then the cabbage rolls. It was out of this <laughs> world, man. And, 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 and Golly, that sounds, yeah, that sounds so and, 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 I'm like, at oh. what time did you put your shirt back on? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I was like, you know what's funny is I, I was like, holy shit, I killed this thing. You know, you, you realize, and it's that whole adrenaline dr- yeah, you yeah. Know, drop or whatever you want to call it. And um, I walk over to him, and I'm just like, thinking the animal, you know, and right. uh, doing all those ritualistic things. And really, you, you're just, you are thankful for the, that you were offered the opportunity. You took a life, you know. So yeah. um, then I realized, okay, these guys, I had texted them, and they're coming over. I got to get my shirt back on. <laughs> uh, so uh, you see it now. Now every time you go on a hunt and it's slow, you're probably gonna walk out with your shirt take on. Take your shirt, <laughs> right. man. This kind of lucky about very ritualistic. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny though is I took some photos. Um, I'm on this. There's an app called Be Real. I didn't know anything about it, but I've got young kids. And Be Real, do you, are you all familiar with no. that? No. It's this deal where it'll alert you. It could be 12:37 in the afternoon or 5:42. Ask your students. The Be Real will come up on your phone, and it's like a little warning sign. It'll say, uh, Be Real is due or whatever. And I'll, I'll, you have to take, like, if I'm sitting here and Be Real goes off, I'll take a picture of you. Uh-huh. It'll shoot forward and back. So it'll take a, a picture behind the camera and in front or in front of the phone and behind the phone. Uh-huh. So it'll show from my perspective and also the camera's perspective seeing me. Yeah. And so I did that for my daughter, and I realized I had my shirt off. I sent it to her. I was sitting there with my shirt off because be real. this is how crazy my hunts are. It's kind of ass, and I'm doing a be real out there. It's like a shirtless pig. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it was kind of funny, but uh, beautiful, you know, South Texas terrain. Uh, it, and it just rained for like the last. They got an, they got inundated with rain, so the cover was thick. 
It was very green, verdant. Um, we got rained on every day we were hunting for at least an hour. Wow. Mm. So just wonderful. There was one morning where I thought I was going to need a jacket because anything below 72 for me is cold. Yeah. Um, and it was probably in the low, low 70s. So it was a cool hunt, but we saw everything. You know, I had to – it's funny. I don't like taking a life of anything if I'm not going to eat it. That's what it's all about yeah. for me is becoming table fair. But um, I had gone back the first night after an unsuccessful hunt, and they said, what did you see out there? And I said, I saw a ton of turkeys. Um, I saw a crazy amount of uh, hogs, um, and I also saw a bunch of coyotes. And the uh, ranch manager was like, you shot the coyotes, right? And I said, no, I didn't shoot them. He's like, dude, please do us a favor. If, tomorrow, if you go out there and you see them, you got to shoot them. So um, the next day, I saw the same scraggly coyote. I didn't want to do it, but um, I had to shoot it. You know, those things. It's amazing how much ground they cover. Yeah, and how but smart they are. Oh, they're, they're smart as hell, they're man. So they're constantly wily, moving. Yeah. Constantly moving. But I saw it in the distance, and before I knew it, it was like yeah. hundred yards from yeah. me. Well, and uh, there's this book, Coyote America. Mm-hmm. Very interesting history of coyotes in America, but there is a coyote den within three miles of any point in the United States. Wow! Yeah. So you even think downtown San Antonio? I have been driving. When we used to do the podcast at Cliffs on two separate occasions. I saw coyotes mm-hmm. crossing the street over by Chicken and Pickle. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, I believe it. Right up the yeah. street. Yeah. And it's just like yeah. been there everywhere. They're prolific. Even when they were like, uh, you know, when they were trying to poison wolves back in the day, like they weren't. They just made it. They. Like, it didn't affect the coyotes. For some reason, I think there's, like, this genetic, they have this genetic disposition to where the more they're pressured, they will reproduce. Like, they'll go into, the females will go into heat. Like, almost like a defense mechanism. Like, hey, like, we're under attack. We need to make more of us. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. That sounds like a good hunt. Uh, So, I, I know that there's a lot of people that cook all day. Or a chef all day, and then when they get home, that's the last thing that they want to do, and they just eat crap. Are you that guy, or do you do you cook all day and then you go home and you prepare amazing meals for your family? Well, it's funny, you know. No, I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, my wife will admit she is, and I say this, and you guys won't believe me. No one ever does, but she's the world's worst cook. Like, I remember my mom back in the day. She would, we'd have cereal in the morning, and my mom was actually a great cook, but she would try to utilize everything, and even if it was sour milk, she'd pour it in there, and it was, I'm like, this is clearly sour milk, Mom. <laughs> and uh, she'd be like, no, it's not, you know, just eat it. My wife, and it's not intentional, she just doesn't know. You find hair or rocks or I don't know what it is. I've found everything. I'm one of those people that finds stuff in my food. So I'm very uh, tentative, and her cooking has... Um, on a number of occasions, turned up all kinds of little treasures. <laughs> so <laughs> she's just finds the mess with you now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I uh, I prefer to cook, but like everybody else, you know, after a hard day's work, I'm exhausted. So you know, you're the only reason that motivates me to cook is for, I want my kids to eat healthy. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I would eat crap. You know, I'd go home and eat crap. Mm. So I try not to bring it into the house. Any anything that's less than nutritious, we don't. Unfortunately, we we can't always do that because we've got three young children and they want chips and all kind. They're always like, "There's nothing to eat in this house," you know. <laughs> but um, the 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 baseline is at least we'll have a salad and a protein, yeah, you know, something real quick. 
Yeah. Uh, you have you were telling us about a turkey hunt that you went on. How was I that? I loved a turkey hunt. So, I grew up without a father, and so I haven't been hunting my whole life. I fell in with a group of guys um, that are super prolific hunters, and they're exceptionally good outdoorsmen. And one of the guys that I was able to befriend is a professional turkey hunter. And I started hunting turkey with him probably six, seven years ago, eight years ago. And it's become probably one of my favorite things to hunt. Why is that? Because you interact with the animal in the spring. In the fall, turkey hunts aren't as fun. In the spring, you they gobble. So you call them in. It's like a chess game. Yeah. And if you're good enough and quiet enough, you can get these turkeys to talk back to you. And they'll come. They're curious. They're very smart. Exceptional eyesight. So if anything is amiss, they're out of there. But if you can trick them to get within shotgun range, it is an exceptional hunt, man. It is it's peaceful. You're camouflaged extremely well. So you see all kinds of things will walk right up to you. Coyotes, uh, uh, foxes, you'll see deer because they don't know you're there. You mm. just kind of melt into the background. You're sitting up against a tree and you're just camoed out. You can't have anything amiss, otherwise that turkey will not, it'll, it'll pick you off. And so um, I, my most recent turkey hunt was in the spring down in Brackettville. Okay. And I've had a lot of success in Brackettville at a buddy's ranch down there. And um, so, yeah, it's fun calling them in. How do you like to prepare your turkeys after you do the hunt? So a big thing, is you guys are big fly fishermen, and you know that um, fresh is best. So the quicker you process and eat it, the better. Um, but what I do with, what I've done a couple, a number of things, kind of the way I described how I cook that backstrap of Nilgai, I do that with the breasts. I'll pan roast them and finish them in the oven so I really can control the cook temp. Sometimes what I'll do, if I'm lucky enough to bag more than one turkey, I'll pan roast it, let it set up in the refrigerator overnight, and then I'll take it to my meat slicer at the restaurant and slice it on like a number one. Yeah. As thin yeah. as possible. And make actual like sandwich turkey, deli. Real tur deli yeah. turkey breast for yeah. the kids so you can do piled high turkey sandwiches. Oh, it's nice. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so worth it, man. It's a really great animal to bag if you know what to do with it. Yeah. Unfortunately, as you guys know, uh, a lot of folks will go out and hunt and they don't know how to process the animal and they'll mistreat it and they'll be like i'll never eat snow goose again it's horrible well no it's not it's actually extremely it's a it's a delicate meat it's really great um i went on a a goose and duck hunt and everybody gave me all their their stuff all their goose and duck yeah they didn't want it and i said why not and they're like this stuff is horrible my wife won't my, my wife and kids won't eat it and i told them it's because you're overcooking it you overcook it, it's going to taste like liver, real gamey and livery. You undercook it, or you cook it to the right doneness, and it it tastes like the best veal or beef you've ever had. Mm -hmm. Are you doing any wet aging or dry aging with any of the other meats that you're preparing? Um, I will age the Neil guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's been uh, I let it hang. It's still hanging some of the meat. Um, but the backstrap you did, you just. Uh, one backstrap I wanted to cook because, you know, that's kind of the – there's something about going out 
as a kind of hunter gatherer and coming home and having table fare that night. I yeah. agree. Yeah, that's I usually will take one backstrap and kind of make something out of that. Yeah, first you come time. home and you're eating that with your family around the table. It's like it's such a great thing, um, and I think if more people realize that about hunting, um, it'd be more popular. You know, the guys that I went down there with that I was. This isn't the group of guys that I normally hunt with, but the guys that happen to be hunting, they're like 60, 70 year old guys. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that, but a lot of hunters are aging out. Yeah. There's just not that, there's not a big desire for people to want to hunt. So uh, it's important that you kind of speak the gospel to younger people to get them in, involved. Yeah. Whether it's fishing or hunting. Yeah, both. Yeah, yeah really. Because a lot of people nowadays don't want to be outside. Now they won't be influencers inside. Yeah. Or YouTubers. That's the big one. Well, yeah. I mean, you'll be outside to do your, your Yeah, that's why I said you, they won't be right? YouTubers. Yeah, they want to just. Yeah, you know the trends. You're a sixth grade science teacher. <laughs> yeah. They just want to do YouTube. Yeah. I yeah. tell them, I, that's, they're always like, why do we have to do this? I'm like, because not everybody can be a YouTuber. That's right. You know, <laughs> not everybody. Somebody's got to be a scientist, guys. Come on. And <laughs> so. nobody, nobody, nobody's seen you on YouTube yet, huh? None of your, stu- none of your not students. Not for lack of trying. So, <laughs> so with yeah. these two doing a crane. A sandhill crane hunt coming in. Obviously, they're going to bring home stuff. Because I know you guys are going to shoot stuff. Oh, we're going to shoot stuff. Uh, tips on preparing something like that. What What's usually your go to in your head when you when you bag a couple? What are you going to do with with those with those sandhill crane breasts? Anything in particular? Now, I mean, what we did last year. Well, I'm not going to get into that because we've covered it multiple times on the podcast. But last year's hunt, let's just say, was a disaster, and we were given a free opportunity to come back this year. We came home with one crane, maybe two. And how'd you prepare it? I'm curious. Uh, did a pan, we did a pan sear with, pan sear. with just uh, yeah. butter. Uh, and how did it come out? Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. So that same pan sear that you did, was it a thin cutlet? Uh, no, we used, it was the full breast. Full breast. And we did a leg. just for as an The experiment. leg? Uh, so maybe that's what we need advice is on is like how. It. Well, you've got you've to braise like that. It's the same with turkey. You've got to break. It's got to be low and slow for the legs. For the because legs. because they have all those ligaments. They've in got there. all the ligaments. Those are yeah. tough. You but know, the breast. I mean, it was like you yeah. know, cook it like any steak. You really would. Well, you know, you know the, also with that, another way to do it is you can cut like cutlets and hammer them out. Uh huh. And then you do um, like a fried flour egg bread. Okay. So it's always flour egg bread. It's dry, wet, dry. Right. So you can do like a, a seasoned flour. Then egg yolk, and then you, you like a breadcrumb, bread like a panko breadcrumb yeah, with yeah. flour. Yeah. yeah, and then you saute it. Uh, you can make a like a brown butter caper sauce. Oh yeah. So you if this takes a little bit more skill level, but because it's an emulsified sauce and it can break real easily, but you can put lemon juice, reduce it down, uh, or take brown butter, uh, or take butter, make it what's called burn noisette or brown butter. Yeah. Then you add the lemon juice, let that reduce. And add capers and a little caper juice. Yeah. Let that reduce and add a bunch of chopped parsley. It's good because, like, my wife, she's she's a, she's the baker. I'm the the person who savory cooks. guy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so she's working on brown butter a lot. She's got it down pretty well. Oh, okay, well there so, you go. So I mean, like, we You're can kind of we right can there. tag team it. You You're know, right <laughs> but you have to have the acidity. Yeah, to with the with the lemon. Fat. Yeah, yeah. So you do that and you ladle it over your crispy cutlet. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds you, that awesome. Sounds so you, you've ladled it. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Exactly. Are you going on the crane hunt this year? Uh, to be determined. Where are you the going? dates got moved. What are the dates? They got moved a week forward. So what's the date? First weekend in November. Maybe. Where are you all crane hunting? In the panhandle? Uh, yeah, Lubbock. Panhandle. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. 
And actually, yeah, it's the first weekend in November. And actually, so what the wife and I are doing is we're going up the weekend before, which is Halloween, and we're going to the Baylor Tech football game, yeah. and we're staying with uh, brother and my brother and sister-in-law yeah, yeah. for the whole week. So I'll already be in oh, Lubbock, nice. and then I'll just meet up with the crew Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh, for that's a right, because we you have to take Thursday and Friday yeah. off. Gabe, right. are you going on that hunt? Maybe now the dates got moved. Maybe, yeah. See, okay, so we're t- you guys take off uh, two days. So the hunt is on Friday, Saturday morning. What Ian has done before is what Ian did last year. He worked Thursday and drove up super late. He got in at like midnight, and then we were up at four a.m. for the hunt. <laughs> so if you wanted yeah. to pull that, you well, I could. can't take off two Fridays in a row because I'm taking off the Friday before from Mythicon. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll talk. We'll see. I mean, moving it up that that helps. helps you. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll talk. And that's I think that's opening weekend. Yeah. It is. So prime yeah. time, baby. Nice. Man. Okay. So that's a really good yeah. good idea for the breast. So how do we do the legs? You gotta braise them. Okay. So slow. Slow and low and slow. Uh-huh. Are you and throwing onion and mirepoix? Oh, okay. Onion, celery, carrot. You yeah. think like a uh, uh, like crock pot? Yeah. Doing something like that. Would be we just got yeah. one of those. So. Yeah. I've never worked with an instant pot, but yeah, anything that cooks <laughs> low and slow. We we you know we like it so far. Yeah. We've only used it like. Twice. Oh, we got the crock pot here. So we got so a crock pot. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. you can use you that that method will definitely work for those legs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now we we have a a caller that ca- uh, calls in uh, wood chip pickle chip who wood talks about wood tip, tip. Wood pickle well, chip wood tip pickle, pickle chip. chip sorry this uh, Mictors is pretty good um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he talks a lot about South Texas groceries uh, specifically hog uh, what's usually go to on a ham or a shoulder on a hog wild hog wild yeah hog. the wild hog um, so. The loins are pretty simple. Yeah. You know, the smaller, the, the first thing is, you know, with hogs, Texas hogs like this, the size matters mm-hmm. big time. The little guys like the footballs, um, that's what I call them, um, the little piglets, those you spl- spatchcock. Okay. The whole thing? The whole thing. So would you... Um, and I'm talking, these things are only yeah, like... The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big. So do you uh, remove the hide? Are you, you remo- burning off? No, you remove the hide. You okay. peel the hide off. Yeah, okay. So you're not like burning the, no. the hair and no, everything? Just, no, you take okay. all that off. Gotcha. And then you can actually just put them on the grill and they're tender. Right. So those are like the prize, okay. right? And the bigger they get, you really don't want to shoot anything over... 70 or 80 pounds. Really agree. Yeah. Well, maybe not shoot them, but eat. 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 Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, And so the larger ones, the loins, you can treat, um, if, if treated well uh, and cooked well, they're not, they're not, absolutely right. They're game, they're not gamey. They're very, very tasty. You can almost cook them like, well, they are a pork loin. Mm -hmm. You can cook them like a pork loin. Um, The hams, um, those I would take to a processor and really? have them, yeah, to remove the glands. Yeah, or well, just to just to process them to either in the sausage or sausage or biltong okay. or okay. sticks. So you, you wouldn't do like a slow like a like you a smoke can, or something. One hundred percent, you can smoke them and do all that. I just feel like places like shots and uh, places like that have been doing it for so long that you really get bang for your buck. It's yeah. not expensive, right. um, and those are really cool gifts you can give to people. Um, 
So you're what? doing like breakfast sauces or like Italian sauces? Oh, what? I do breakfast. Like Bre- my yeah. last yeah. hog I shot. Yes. Breakfast. Oh, I mean, we go through. Awesome. I do. I'm getting to the point where I buy more breakfast sausage than yeah. I buy ground because we go through breakfast sausage. I make a breakfast casserole um, with eggs and breakfast sausage and throw it in the oven. It's got a, a, a green chilies, uh, eggs, sausage, green chilies. You brown the meat before cheese, you put it in there? Brown the meat before oh, wow. you put it in. Dang, that sounds Salt, good. pepper, milk, and uh, it's a recipe from my dad. That sounds and you good. throw it in the oven. I th- I've had your dad. You yeah. make some I've had your dad's you make some biscuits and you make a little you cut yeah. it into little squares, you make a breakfast yep. sandwich. I make that all the time. And because of that, I buy I'm starting to get to the point where I'm like when I get things processed, like I do way more breakfast sausage yeah. than I do uh than I do uh Joe ground stuff. that ground sounds beef. delicious you can also make chorizo with it yeah yeah it is, i well, have some venison like like chorizo spice um, yeah. stuff but, uh yeah. what's the place up in bernie uh oh uh, uh, uh i'll tell you right now what's the s can k, k no no uh clines they do a chorizo yeah and i'll get a couple pounds of that every time i get something because i usually use clines so i usually do breakfast sausage a couple pounds of chorizo yeah i usually do clines as well their chorizo is so good um, there's, you know, Otea's over on Nakoma. So they've been processing that thing since the seventies. They, they're a taxidermist, but on the other side, they do the processing. They do a, they do a real good chorizo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit lean, but the flavor is like, it's good. Really good. Yeah. Usually on, on the hands with the girls, I, I kind of keep it in the, in the cooler for a couple of days, draining it out That's every night. Right. Yeah. And then, um, and then pull it out. You know, take some of the silver skin off, uh, and then I throw that in a co- crock pot. And usually, braise it with beer and onion, and then once that came apart, I'd uh, I'd put it underneath the broiler and just make like carne. Yeah, like with a little it. bit of crispy. Mm-hmm. Oh edges. yeah. Oh man, and and you know it's good when the wife's like, yeah, I, I could eat this. Go ahead and go shoot more. Yes. Yeah, uh, that's a yeah. that's a great method is doing that is braising the legs and just shredding it all. Yeah, it's oh, so good, man. man. Yeah. So good. Really good. I'm going to go shoot something. <laughs> I, I want a burger while I'm shooting something I shirtless. <laughs> and uh, and then, yeah, making yep. some sauce. Yeah. What, uh, what's your – so you got Mr. Juicy Burger now. What is – you said it seems like your restaurant's going to have a 10-year lifespan. I think so. Are you kind of projecting in your mind what's next? Do you – Well, no. So uh, the, 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 the end game is to – to expand Mr. Juicy. Okay. Because it's really scalable. Yeah. It's like a model that you could easily transfer yes. to other places. My other places really weren't places where you could scale them. And the, the the uniqueness was what was the draw. It was like, oh, we're going to go here and have this experience. Right. And so we w- I w- my wife and I want to scale this to, you know, five, six, seven, and then sell them. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. In San Antonio, or are you thinking elsewhere too? Yeah, I want to try... Um, kind of proof of concept somewhere else yeah to see. san antonio's a tough market it's saturated with burger places yeah okay. yeah let's yeah. be honest because all those uh what's been popping up now burger boy well burger boy and uh well, i was thinking terry's p terry's moved to san antonio but also san antonio has like their staples that have been around for years like chris madrid yeah. chester's uh water burger what, yeah uh, water burger yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah what's that place uh longhorn Longhorn. Yeah. Yep. I was in a big lawsuit with them yeah. two years ago. Oh, yeah. really? What <laughs> happened? About the moniker, yeah. Yeah. They tried to 
So I got a cease and desist. This whole thing was so crazy, but it kind of blew up in their face. Um, they sent me a cease and desist to not use the name Mr. Juicy because they, ha- on their menu. They have a burger called Mr. Or no, the Big Juicy, The Big right? Juicy. Yeah. So it's like, okay, the Big Juicy. How does that relate to Mr. Juicy? Every burger place in the country, if not the world, uses, wants to. Juicy in juicy. some way. Yeah. 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 So this whole thing, it was during the onset of COVID. And I was real magnanimous about it. I really was. I was like, I'm not going to get mad. I'm going to say, hey, you guys do what you need to do. People really got riled up. They were pissed. The social media president. At Longhorn. Longhorn. They spammed every account that they had. There were thousands of people in support of us coming saying, we support you guys. The TV crews came out and said, why are they doing this to you guys? And I said, I don't know, you know. Um, But... Hey, that's free press. Too. Yeah. Oh, it was it was <laughs> huge, man, huge, and um, it just went on and on and on. And the even their attorney was so mad at me. He's like, "Man, he's saying he's a little guy. This guy's owned restaurants here in San Antonio forever." And uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it, was uh, it was this whole thing was uh, crazy. But so that at the end of the day, what happened was I filed with PTO Patent Trademark Office of the U.S. And so did they, and they got turned down, and the PTO office agreed with me that my name should belong to me and the image should belong to me. So now I own it. Nobody can touch it anyway. So, Mr. Juicy so Burger can is you, yours. Mr. Juicy is mine. The logo is mine together or separate. So I can open up a, miss, miss, a Mr. Juicy chicken. I can open up a Mr. Juicy whatever. Shake or whatever. Yeah, yeah okay. It's a really gr- – it's funny because – had they not done that, you would have never. I would have never have done it. Yeah. And um, now I own this really powerful word associated yeah. with burgers. Yeah, Mr. Because G- that's like that's yeah. what you wanted a burger. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. That that yeah. is the burger, yeah. you know. So um, it was interesting. Uh, it went on for Gabe. You probably remember, but it went yeah. on for three, four, five months. Yeah, really. Yeah, the social media present on it, like it. You, that, you, you think on. that helped? You think that changed oh, the tide? Oh, huge. Oh, it was yeah. huge. I bet. Yeah. There was nothing, and I spent a lot of money defending it. Right. So I was mad when I was in it, but afterwards I was like, they did me the biggest yeah. favor. Right. People ask me about it all the time. Yeah. And we still hear. I'll post something, and somebody will say, like on San Antonio Restaurant Group that has a ton of followers. Somebody will say. These are the restaurants you should try for burgers. And then they'll say, Mr. Juicy and Longhorn. And somebody will say, I'm not going to Longhorn. They suck, man. They yeah. tried screwing with the little guy yeah. or whatever. You know? yeah. It's like, wow, people have memories like elephants. They don't forget. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah. So. Yeah. That is good. awesome. It was, yeah, it was, a, it was a crazy time. It was. It was a crazy time. And, and you had guys like, um, like David Elder. Who you know you had posted, and then he he posted right away, and you know he's got a huge following in San Antonio yeah. for food stuff, and you know it seemed just like everyone immediately was like, oh, this is the stupidest thing ever, yeah. and then they started posting. It is kind of stupid. Yeah, when they, you think of like, oh, they have juicy on their menu yeah. for one of their burgers. Yeah, well, like you would say, everybody has a everybody has yeah, everybody yeah. has a juicy burger. I, I just think they got <laughs> so. Some once really you bad won, advice. did you send them a cease and desist and have them <laughs> removed <laughs> your remove it from, from their, their burger menu, from, from their menu? Their menu? <laughs> <laughs> so the, it's called. I just saw it. It popped up on my memories. Um, the current said, uh, "Mr. Juicy expertly trolls Longhorn Cafe because on my reader board outside underneath the sign, I put." Because they had the big juicy, I said, 
were kind of big and really juicy or something like that. <laughs> and they that it was on the it was in the current. They had taken a photo of our <laughs> board and they yeah. say expertly trolled that's or something awesome. like that. Yeah. So that's awesome. Now this is gonna be a question for my wife because uh she's gluten free. Mm-hmm. Uh do you have uh does does Mr. Juicy Burger have options? One hundred percent. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet. We do a we do a bunless burger, but we also have a uh gluten free bun. Nice. Money. She's gonna be pumped. Yeah. Do you guys make that in-house? I'm just curious. It's the only... No, we don't. I figure... Not... I hardly yeah. anybody... You can make them. They're not difficult. They're just... Well, they are kind of a pain in the ass. I would say probably more time yeah. for what and they do. And we may sell... There are days where we'll have a run on them. Right. We'll sell 10. I think the most I've ever seen us sell in one day is 15, but yeah. it wouldn't... You can't make a batch that small. Right. That would actually pain. be worth your time. Yeah. Yeah. When you got to clean totally the kitchen, that. too, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. like, yeah. make sure the surfaces are clean yeah. and all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's why... Because I, I don't think I've ever... Anybody who's like, oh yeah, we make our own gluten free buns. So, yeah, other than a bakery, yeah, other than a bakery, and yeah. Even yeah then, there's a lot of bakeries then. that do gluten free stuff around San Antonio. Yeah, yeah. a lot. Yeah, so there's, there's one that I heard that was really great, but it had closed down. It was like an Australian bakery or something Ooh. on Avenue B over by Playland. Or a, I think I know what you're talking about. I can't remember what it was called, but they just closed down. People were really upset because it was supposed to be amazing. Hmm. I don't know about that one. No. She does Powerhouse Bakery a lot. Where is that? Uh, it's off of Hebner, and it's on the other side of I-10. Maybe like two miles. I can't remember the intersection. Two miles down Hebner going past I-10. You okay. take a left. And they do like a lot of meal prep meals, and then they also do the bakery, and they have a lot of gluten-free options is for it the, the bakery. The big question always to me is – Someone that's not gluten free, would they enjoy it? Do you enjoy it? <laughs> <laughs> now the meals maybe, but I've never done the bakery thing. Yeah. I've never enjoyed like the gluten free bakery stuff yeah. as much. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. But you guys have sourdough options? No. Okay. No. We, so the original just, plan Kindle's all weird. She's she's either like gluten free or sourdough because like other breads, it's like, okay. You know. Just don't invite her. We go. We we, we that's go. right. We're yeah. going we anyway. Yeah. You we know, enjoy. and you can just come back to the house and be like, Haha, "It was the best hamburger." Yeah, exactly. Smell my burger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Smell <laughs> my burger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but you do have you have the um the the Dole Whip now. Yeah, we have Dole Whip. Um, do you guys know what Dole Whip? No, is? I have no. no idea. So I didn't know either. And we were in Maui with the children, and um, Gabe, you had mentioned if people see a line, they love lines. They love right? lines. <laughs> We saw this huge line coming out of this little um, ice cream shop, and I'm like, "What the heck?" I told my kids we were in the rental car. I said, "Get out, get in line, see what, see what's yeah, going yeah, on." Yeah. So they got in line. And they came out with these um, pineapple soft serve. Yeah, man, it was like a revelation. These things are like pineapple times ten. It's really intense, and it's a soft serve, and it was. Started, it's got a cult following. It started at the Disneyland's and Disney World. Yeah. It's the only place you could get them for a long time. And then kind of the Hawaiian Islands started selling them like crazy. Yeah. And it's just got a tremendous cult following. So we were there, and I'm like, man, I'm going to bring this in Mr. Juicy. Yeah. So i since been told that some years we'll have it at the rodeo here. Uh Uh-huh. But man, the the fervor that people had for it when they found out we were having it, it would, that we have it, it's crazy. That's really yeah. cool. It's, it's real good. refreshing. Yeah, yeah. Very. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's really cool. It's having an official like Dole Whip. That's neat. Yeah, it's good. It's, 
it's it was good. good. I was there when when they were putting in the machine. Oh, yeah, <laughs> were you really? Yeah. Yeah, but we, we had to leave. I was with Gabe, the Gabe, how often are you there? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Everybody knows him now. Yeah. So. Yeah. And like, there's you, been times where, like, I've been asked to, like, literally cook french fries because, you know, I'm there. I already know how to do it. Like, hey, come I, on I have, back. Do you have a Juicy Burger challenge? It's like a no, five-pound Juicy Burger. No, we don't have an extreme no. challenge. Maybe we should. Six, or take, six, just take the one chip and put it on the burger. Be like, yeah, there that's the challenge. The world's hottest burger or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Make a cheese that's got, like, ghost peppers exactly. in it. Exactly. Or put, like, a golden mushroom hidden in one of the burgers. <laughs> Are you guys a big food challenge? No, I could never no, complete no, one. No, no I can't eat that much, and it's not even worth it. Because even if you got it for free, a lot of them say if you eat all this, you get it for free. You hate yourself for like right, a week. Yeah. right, right. right. I, I can't ever eat that much. No. And then like any of the challenges I look at, I'm like, there's no way I won't even get halfway through with this before. Yeah, nah. And then the hot challenges, it's like it's kind of I could get myself. I could get myself there to like. Take a bite, but when it's like, oh, you got to do twelve wings. I'm like, no, one wing, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> like, I did this. All right, yeah. we're cool. Yeah. So like, I don't think, but I like watching other people do the I challenges, do, and yeah. I like cheering them on because I've been at restaurants where someone's doing a challenge, and all the restaurants like involved, and it's like fun for everybody. San Antonio doesn't have many places that have a challenge. I think they're getting more and more. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's, there's the there's the, the burrito. There's the burrito. Um. There's the breakfast one for Max and Louis. Max and Louis. Yeah. Wait, wait, what's Max and Louis breakfast? It's oh, it's oh, everything. Dude. Is it yeah. a breakfast taco? Because I could no, probably no. eat like a hundred of those. <laughs> no, no, no. it's it's everything in the kitchen sink. Literally, uh, it's okay. waffles, pancakes. Oh no, yeah. no, no, no! I couldn't do that. There's the four horseman burger that's off, of and that's the one that's like this no, big, no, 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 right? no. It's just the hottest. It's oh. the hottest burger. Um, I and I don't know heard if that, about that. It's been it's been on the Food Network and all that on those those challenges. Um, but Isn't there like a two pound cinnamon roll somewhere? No, that, that used to be over at Lulu's. Uh, Lulu's. Yeah, yeah Lulu's. but it wasn't. I don't think that was a challenge. It was. It was no. a big. But Jail Lulu's House closed though. Yeah, right. Yeah. Wait, why did Lulu's close? The pandemic. So, right. Well, no. So my buddy um, Mike Barron, his mom is Lulu. They owned it. He owns Green, and he also owns Earth, Earth Burger. Okay. Oh, really? Okay. okay. Yeah. So years ago, they just decided to sell to this guy from California. Uh, that wanted to buy it from them, so they they sold it. They sold Lulu's, but they still own the other ones. No, uh, they, they still own Green and yeah, 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 and, yeah, and Earth Burger. Earth yeah. Burger. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Four Horsemen, which is a burger place, like I said, and I you can find the snippet on on uh, YouTube. And then at one point, the 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 wing, what's the wing places? Not Wing Daddies, but the Wayne's uh, Wayne's Wings. No, no, no. The, those the are some damn good wings. If you if you eat wings, yeah, good, wings. yeah, yeah, yeah. The no, the, the yellow and black uh, building. What is that? Uh, Buffalo. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wild Wings yeah. They had oh, they know. had a uh, hot one. A blazing the blazing challenge. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I did that after a homestand when I was working for the missions, and it came out pot pot too hot. That was the problem. We started it. You have like five minutes. You got to eat the nine wings or whatever. And when I bit into the first one. The you know that grease oh, hotness geez. popped in. I I could have done it. The idea was like I'm just gonna knock it out. Don't think about it. Don't wait. And yeah, I only got through eight. Temperature wise, it was too hot. It wasn't the it, it. Yeah, it was the hot oil that was still on it because they came out hot and fresh. But they had to time you because you were still within a time limit. So yeah, I was like one or two shy because I ran out of time. 
And then I made the dumb mistake of going to the bathroom, washing my hands. Well, that oh. stuff didn't come off. And then I had to had to pee. And you and, touched uh, your... Yeah. So uh, needless to say, for about like two days, there was like a warming sensation in the crotch area. Yeah, never again. Never again. That's the real challenge. Yeah. 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 That was the real challenge on it. Yeah. That was a, that was a rough two days. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, nothing like having to tell your wife, you know. Kind of burns down there. What would you do? <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. It's a weight challenge. It's a weight challenge. Um, no, it was uh, never again. No challenges for me ever. I'm good. I can live with myself. Well, Andrew, man, we've gone way over than we normally do. This was awesome. Thanks for coming yeah, on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was an fun. honor. This was a blast. Yeah. Awesome. We're going to come to Mr. Juicy, and I'm bringing all my coworkers. We go to lunch once a week, so it's a little far from the office, but I think I could pull it off. If you hit all the green lights on San Pedro, it's, you know, uh, that's like a huge win for me. If I'm going down San Pedro and I hit all those green lights, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Yeah, you're there in no time. Hey, what time do you guys go to lunch? Uh, what time do we go to lunch? Yeah. Uh, we try to be at a restaurant at 1130 to beat the lunch crowd. Yeah, perfect. Then you can bring me the burger well, during my lunch break. You're oh. coming down from, from 281, though, right? 281 so, and so, yeah, so 280, Yeah, 281 and just hit Hildebrand instead and just come down Hildebrand. Yeah. And then get it to go and then bring it to my school. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, but that'll be a different day because all three of us are going to go. We will yeah, you all go. need to come and we'll we all have lunch go. together. That yeah, sounds that awesome. sounds great. Yeah. That sounds great. All right, guys. Uh, Wild Rivers Coffee Company. Use code Honeyhole for a discount. I don't remember what it is. I don't know. I like the bear one. WildRiversCoffeeCompany.com. Go buy some coffee and use 15% code Honeyhole for 15% off at checkout. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. And, Andrew, thank you again for coming thank on. Thank you, guys. Thank I appreciate it. This was a blast. And we'll catch you all next week. Look in the description below to find links to our website, online store, YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Discord server, and blog. Please send your podcast questions and inquiries to info at honeyholeangling.com. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you again next week.